episode 20. My name is Chance and I will be your host as always. Today I've got an excellent guest slash co-host slash wife. That's right, my wife. It's Haley, the one and only. Never really been on the show before, mentioned her before. Well, we got married last year and then we went to a late honeymoon by going to Envision Festival in February. So we made an episode about the podcast or of the podcast about our traveling and it was a fun conversation almost as fun as actually being in costa rica well maybe not but it was good to reminisce and get it into a format that we can save forever and share with other people so i hope you guys like our story it'll be it's a little different than a normal episode of the podcast so if you're not interested in hearing us talk about a crazy hippie gathering in the middle of the jungle then just come back next week or go find a previous episode with something you're interested in. I'm pretty interested in this, actually. I had a lot of fun listening back to it. We have some, definitely some weird stories, a lot of synchronicity, synchromysticism, a lot of alleged things that happen that are just alleged. So don't take any of it as true. We made up this whole story. Before we get going, though, if you could do me a quick favor and review the show on iTunes through the podcast app on your iPhone, it would help me out a lot. Hey, thank you for that. Just got to remind you in case you haven't done it yet. The other thing that you could do to help Interverse would be to go to patreon.com forward slash Interverse and donate $1, $3, $5, whatever amount of dollars really sounds good. And why would you do that? Well, it's because you think that this show should exist and should continue going. So if you were to be donating me at $5 per month, for example, that would roughly equate to like $1.25 per episode. So if you listen to the whole episode and it takes the hour or two hours or whatever, isn't that worth an hour or a dollar? Dollar an hour? Yeah, seems like a pretty reasonable thing to ask for. I spend a lot more than an hour working on it. And uh, yeah, I'm trying to make it my full-time job, so if you could help me out, that would be great. I really need a little bit of patron money because my computer's in bad shape. Getting old, getting to its last legs. Like I said last week, I busted the headphone jack on it, so <laughs> I, could use a, I could use a new computer and it would not even be for selfish reasons. It would be for making the podcast better, doing better art more efficient recordings, more video stuff, definitely more video stuff if I had a better computer. The people who are already contributing $5 or more on Patreon get shout-outs every month. And since this is the first episode of the month, 
That means I'm going to do a couple shout-outs here. Same people as last month. Great people. But we need more people. So why don't you join the great and honorable Steven Singer by giving Interverse some dollars. Steven's also a previous guest of the show. If you want to go back and listen to me talk to him, a mathematician, professor, rock and roll dude, all around good homie. Peter Merrick is another pledger who is getting a shout out. He is a jewelry crafter and just an all around trip of a human. Just looking at him makes me go off into fanciful realms of spiritual discovery. No, but really, Pete, you're a very far out guy. I love you. Chris Abert, also crazy far out guy. Chris has got a new podcast that is now out on SoundCloud. I will probably link to it here in the episode notes if I remember. I've definitely reposted it. Congratulations on getting that launched, Chris. And thank you for having me on as the first guest. That was fun. And I would love to have you on again soon. So I'll hit you up. Uh, Elise Myers. Elise is a beautiful soul from Arkansas who I have shouted out before. And I will shout out again for because I love her. Thank you, Elise. And my parents, Kathy and Tim. Thank you guys for pledging. Please don't stop. I am broke. (laughs) And uh, Apple Annie, one of the newer pledgers and a wonderful human being. Jeff Severson, last but not least, Jeff, thank you a lot, buddy. We will talk soon. It is a new month. That means we're going to have our monthly podcast chat. If you want to join what me and Jeff do on a once a month basis, then you can join the $12 reward tier where the few people that are exclusively in that tier, we will have once a month a web-based conversation where we strategize about your life goals, your directions or whatever you want to talk about. That doesn't bother me. Okay, so the important thing to remind you guys of is that the music you've heard on this episode has been by Dreamer's Delight. Probably my favorite thing that I heard at Envision Festival that I'd never heard before. I will link to Dreamer's Delight on SoundCloud in the episode notes, so go check that out. And if you haven't looked at Steemit yet, where I've been posting the full episode descriptions here, take the link and go to Steemit and learn about the world of cryptocurrency and social media, how those things are converging, and why Facebook is the devil, if you haven't figured that out already. Okay, well, that's enough of me. Let's get on to this talk with my wife and I. Really really excited to be sharing this story with you guys and also super glad you're listening thank you for checking out our podcast i love you be good to other people be nice to yourself and let's go
go like straight mush ball on our listeners right yeah. now to this episode because it's re- we we could just bury everybody in mushiness. We don't want to do that. We just stay. <laughs> let's just stay. Well, I mean, we can get a little mushy. I'm sure it's inevitable because I do love you like a lot, a lot, a crazy amount. <laughs> and this is also a super fun thing to actually get to do with you, like talk on microphones together. Um, I know that you're an audiophile, so I'm mm-hmm. sure you're into it on a nerdy level like I am now becoming kind of nerdy about it. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, we never, we both like to do similar stuff, but we don't really collab a lot together, which I'm That's sure will change. change. Yeah. It's changing now. <laughs> yeah. We've only been together for you know over a little over a year like a year and a half so it's uh we we were just we were just too busy oogling over the other but now we can try to focus <laughs> our efforts more collectively <laughs> on a project yeah and we're doing it but uh the first project being talking about our honeymoon which was going to envision festival mm-hmm. so what was your favorite thing about that uh, you can't ask that question about a festival because whenever you ask, like, what's your favorite thing, there's too many to name. But some things that I can instantly think of that I loved were the the clay baths were really cool. I really liked that. But the workshops were amazing. I liked the acro ones a lot. Um, well, I would say actually what I liked more than the workshops themselves was doing acro with um, Diego Oh yeah, he because was super cool he guy. was an amazing flyer, and it was just like completely. I mean, I tried to keep you know keep tight, but it was pretty effortless on my end. So doing acro with him was really cool, and of course the shows we were great. We have video of that too. We can the share. Beach. Yeah, you do an acro. Yeah, <laughs> we did a little awesome. acro ourselves, but my balance is definitely not on a level of someone that practices a lot. Oh, so we should practice more. We're both novice at it. It's okay. We'll get better. But but yeah, talk about the beach. <sighs> It was really beautiful. We saw every sunset, which was great, I think. Yeah. Um, sunset on a beach is really always. something else. People who've like gone to Florida maybe have seen something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it was a beautiful to see people doing flow <laughs> arts on the beach because it was just a perfect setting and scenery behind them. So whenever the sun was setting, it was like flow art city. <laughs> it was great. I and loved that. The flow arts that were going on, they'd be like... Just regular people from the festival off doing their own thing with their flow toys. But then this troop of fire performers was literally we kept just like running into them doing stuff. Yeah, you need to know. What what were they called? What was their name? Man, we could probably figure that out. You've got to link that for sure because people need to check them out. I'm sure they're probably well known in the flow art community. How many were there, you think, in the group? Okay. Probably 15? Less? More? Less? Yeah, I don't know. That sounds about right. Yeah, maybe uh, 15 people. But it was amazing. It was, it was like pretty balanced girls and guys, too. Yeah. And they all knew multiple flow toys, and they all had them on fire. So you have people with flaming staffs of all kinds of different shapes of, uh, like, different types of staff. If you're familiar with different, like, fire flow arts, there's dragon staff, and there's contact staff and then off body staff which is like twirling oh yeah that, oh dude the one with is like those rings of blue fire do you remember that yeah there's this asian dude uh he looked kind of japanese he looked like so he basically was like a ninja is what it felt like no yeah he was like amazing ninja guy i'm just sorry he just because he had like amazing uh just amazingly cut physique and he's spinning this 
staff that it didn't look real because the flames on it were so blue. And I think they had some kind of effect to cause the flames to be a different color. But it was these three rings of fire that were circling the staff. And it looked like they weren't um, they looked like they weren't connected to the staff. So it was like literally these spinning wheels of fire. It looked like something from a damn video game. Oh, yeah. Okay. so I take I retract my statement about not really knowing what my favorite part of Envision was because it was definitely the performers because the stage constantly had aerial silks artists. They had um, all the stage. Well, both stages. did. Yeah. Yeah. All the stages did really. well, main stage always had people on stage, but of course people were flowing in front of the other stages constantly as well. No, I think I'm pretty sure that there were like actual performers on both the uh, not at, Luna not stage at the and Luna the and the Soul, yeah, but not the other one that was not made the Lapa, like sticks, no. Lapa stage. Yeah, yeah I, we have to make sure that in the episode notes on Steam, it, which you will be able to find in the description of this episode, that you look at some of the photography of the stages because we'll be sure to find <sighs> pictures that represent what these stages looked like because mm-hmm. they were literal works of art that were just like they were planned but then built right there on site in the weeks leading up to the festival it's not like they called up the stage company and they're like come build us a stage (laughs) i mean in a sense yes because i know like one of the uh, stage creators if you're like a festival nerd his name's zebler you might have heard or seen some of his stages or heard of him before i know that i just knew the name so he must be a famous guy i don't really know a lot about him uh but like if if that gives you an idea of what these stages look like, cool. But I don't see how you could possibly imagine it without seeing the complexity. Um, like describe the Lapa stage because it had a painting involved. So the Lapa stage had these images of, um, well, first of all, it was made of long pieces of of wood and leaves, and it was all, um, it was kind of shaped in a. It kind of came to an apex at the top where it was like a TP style, I guess you could say. Um, but it had these larger leaves that were draped over the bottom and kind of added for decoration. And the, the artist, him or herself, was like 10, 10 feet off the ground, maybe. They were they were raised up um, decently high and... Um, yeah, they were in like this... They were kind of encapsulated. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were like in this enclosure. It was like they were commanding a starship made of that was also like kind of a teepee that was also a painting. It was yeah, it was like a star a starship but tribal. It, like a tribal starship. Wasn't the back of the <laughs> stage like a canvas that came down like a half circle teepee esque yes, thing? So Yeah, the back of it was It was uh, really interesting. Canvas. So the whole you couldn't even see backstage. There was like there was no apparent place that they came from. It was like they were inside of inside of the thing, you know, like for real. Yeah, I it's think, so cool. Um how would you describe the art that was on there that was It reminded me of I I could be wrong, but I think like the inspiration for that style of art might be African style of art because it was uh like black with white lines making these not exactly stick figures, but sort of not not entirely primitive either. They well, were just like these psychedelic uh, goddess-esque, like lunar representation too. There was just like symbols in it. It's really even hard to describe. We should be looking at a picture. Yeah, of it. we should look at a picture um, because... No, we should make a picture with our mind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm seeing it in my mind kind of, but yeah, you guys should just go look at the episode notes. So stages definitely, definitely dank. Performers were. That wasn't even the the crazy stage. We didn't even describe the crazier stages. That was like the tame one. 
Yeah, the other ones had um a lot of holographic, like uh, had had a lot of projection onto the stage to make it look like there were different textures and, and it movement. was 3D mapped to uh to the actual shape of the sculpture that was built yes. into the stage. So the uh, different sections of the projection would fit perfectly lock piece into the parts of the stage. And then there were lights built into those wooden 3D map designs. The main stage had a, you could see a different things in it. That's what was interesting. You could see like a dragon and you could see a, a kraken and you could see. Oh, that was the Luna stage. Oh, right? Luna stage. <clears throat> I don't um, know which one's main. I feel like they're both sort of a main. You're stage. right. It was Luna stage. It was I apologize. Luna stage and soul stage. Luna stage was this one, but uh, it, you could see different creatures within the one piece. So that was really cool. I liked that a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, it looked like it was constantly sort of like wiggling and shimmering and moving. Mm -hmm. It had a lot of movement to it just from the way that it was sculpted. It really. Here. And the, uh, the DJ would be on like inside of this dragon thing, basically. Mm -hmm. And then there was what stage space to the left and right of that where performers could do stuff. Right. And that's where they had like Lyra wheel and silks <clears throat> artists and all, everything. <laughs> the electronic stuff was over at that stage where we saw Funk Hunters, which was one of my things I was most excited to see. I just Funk really Hunters them. was amazing. Panty Raid? Oh my gosh. Let me just <laughs> say, Panty Raid just destroyed. I was excited to see them, but I didn't realize how excited I should be. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of envisioned, I get what I did there, that uh, we might like describe what the trip was like in a chronological order. But now that I'm actually here having the conversation, I realize how kind of unrealistic that tends to be whenever you're t like talking about well, something well, what you was did. Your, what was your favorite aspect of the festival? Uh, for me, and you've probably heard me say this before, but I, I can repeat it. For me, it was actually in a place where there's so much stimulus. I was actually able to relax on a deeper level than I normally am able to achieve. Because I'm a person that's like... <clears throat> Pretty go, 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 as you know, just jumping from work to exercise to, you know, like doing things that need to be done at home to making this podcast here. And <laughs> I started painting over the weekend and now I have like a serious thorn in my side. Like I must complete this painting. <laughs> Not that that's bad. It, uh, it's coming along great, by the way. You guys should definitely see it. It's yeah, pretty cool. I'll put, maybe I'll post a picture in the episode notes. Do uh, you want to know what it's called? Yes. <laughs> President Donald J. Trump. Oh, wow. <laughs> he looks happier. Uh, it's kind of... If that's like uh, an abstract representation of him. I'm just calling it that and oh. seeing what happens when I paint it. Okay. Does that make sense? It's like an experiment. Right. Yeah, but yeah, it's not as dark as what a lot of people's Trump art might look like. <laughs> I don't know. Why I just, not hope for the I best? challenge Why not people's hope perception. For the best? Not to bring up Trump in the middle of our Envision talk, but we were just talking about my painting. We actually right. did painting at Envision, though, and that was what we got did. me wanting to do some painting myself because, and that's something we have our own pictures of, there was this big canvas wall where a bunch of kids and some adults were painting all together. They gave you muffin tins uh, just filled with with acrylic paint. Mm -hmm. And so you had a ton of it, and you could get any size brush and paint however much or a large of a swatch you wanted, basically. Yeah, if so, you filled up the thing, they would just bring out a new canvas. Yep, I saw there them. There was so much art created there. I believe I saw them do at least three, but they probably did in more throughout the... Yeah, in one day, in one day. So they probably did 
quite a few throughout the course of the festival. What was cool is what led us to do that was there was a, uh, like some local farmer who every day at the festival would bring in this big blue clay, right? I guess it's blue clay. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like more of a really light grayish look on your skin, but people were putting this clay that he brought in all over their bodies as a way to protect themselves from the sun, alternatives to sunscreen. And uh, we went to go get ourselves smeared up with that. <laughs> and it's, it was really fun. Helps. Um, this is popular in a lot of, a lot of different areas. Um, it's done at festivals a lot, I guess in general, but if you don't know what it is, it's, sunscreen basically it's very thick and it kind of dries on your skin like a mask but it removes impurities and it blocks the um harmful uv rays oh it feels great it does it feels great it, it leaves your skin very soft after you rinse it off or it also flake it off you also can if you're like an impatient person in the way i am you risk laceration when you're applying it because there's tiny little small rocks Be in the careful. clay and just kind of scratch yourself up. Very small rocks. So that's why, you know, that's why it's nice to also have Western style sunscreen if you get the kind that's more. But don't get the sketch kind because we kind. bought the Badger brand cruelty free non sketch sunscreen Un- and it was only SPF. Also. Yeah, it was unscented. It was like SPF 35, but in the Costa Rican sun for four days, it did well. I did not burn. Chance uh, didn't really burn. I didn't even peel. I didn't even get tanned enough to peel. I mean, I got a little bit of tan too, though. Not that that's like why you go to the beach mm-hmm. or maybe it is whatever, but <laughs> uh, yeah, that stuff was great. Like the, uh, I don't believe the sunscreen situation. I don't believe the sun harm situation. I believe we're basically being indoctrinated to be afraid of shit constantly all the time. And then we're being weakened spiritually and mentally and physically in every way. So that whenever something like even as simple as going outside in the damn sunlight becomes dangerous to you, you won't even do it. And it's actually super good for you. Um, and it maybe it sounds woo, but I think your personal energy levels, like your, your chi, for lack of a better word, totally protects you from stuff like solar radiation or getting hurt all kinds of things all right mr miyagi let me say this all i know is i did a lot of qigong while i was there and i was in direct sunlight a lot and i kept a mental projection of protection and barrier against getting a sunburn and i didn't get a sunburn and usually i do Although I, this comment is not to disprove your theory, but <laughs> I did not use my chi to block the sun. Yeah, but and you're darker. I did you're great. A darker person. So the, sun, the sunscreen was effective if you're wondering about it. But honestly. Oh, it sun- definitely had an impact. Mm-hmm. But I didn't even always wear it, is what I'm saying. Mm. I was not even that good about putting it on. Yeah, to be honest, I wasn't either. So. And it's supposed to have, according to its own packaging, sweat off after like 40 minutes to an hour. Yeah, if you're sweating. I guess two hours if you're not sweating. Here we go, going on a long diversion about sunscreen. (laughs) But yeah, we were getting that clay on and we saw the painting right next to it to go back to why we even talked about sunscreen and and clay. But why to get cruelty-free? Why to get unscented? Um, Cruelty-free seems a little bit self-explanatory, especially if you have a concept of karma in your life. But uh, unscented is really kind of important too because most... Most ways that things get scented are not biodegradable or not 
good for you on a health level. And essential oils can be questionable as far as impact goes. It really just depends on the source, honestly. Mm-hmm. But they do require, it's, it's a concentration, so it, it, it requires a lot of whatever plant or whatever it is. Anything that requires monocropping is kind of sketch inherently, right? At this Mm -hmm. point, we're sort of realizing that. Not that I don't still partake in monocropped things. I'm sure like a lot of the veggies. No, we have essential oils, so. (laughs) Yeah, we're using a diffuser right now. But, you know, gradually we could change and shift away from these things. And especially scented products just have, I just learned about it on Mysterious Universe podcast not long ago, how much research there really is about um, artificial scent things creating these tiny little particles that just go into the lowest part of the food chain and accumulate there and then wind up coming back around to humanity and being in our bodies now. Yeah, that the magnification uh, really, it gets up to humans. It really does. It, a lot of things, a lot of things can be, um, what am I trying to say? You get a lot of toxins and things that way. So more than we can probably even record at this point. <laughs> but our body, it's they seem to be like they're doing they're doing pretty well with the amount of pollution that we do have existing. I personally feel like mine's handling it pretty well if you think about how much there is. Well, not that it's not a problem because it clearly is, but that's kind of part of what Envision is about too. It's um there were there was one workshop we went to where um it was about creating zero trash or oh, man, yeah. minimal trash at least. And that was really, that was really great. That was a very powerful message that I took away from the festival. It's that producing less trash is very doable. And the amount of trash that you could eliminate from your daily life. And I mean the collective you and me included, but the amount of trash you can eliminate in your daily life. That's just like little things make a huge difference, especially if you're doing like plastic, eliminating plastic is really big. The sooner you start, the more of a difference it makes because of this cumulative effect of trash that we're all on course right now to go from having a big hill of trash dedicated to our name to a small mountain. I read that the, Average person in the United States accumulates almost four pounds of trash a day, and that's like just average. So there's people who way overshoot that, and there, there's people who way undershoot that. But man, it's crazy. But there is, there is. Uh, it just depends on how you want to. Statistics are f- fucked up like that. Like you can make any statistic look true. like something. Like that four Very pounds true. of trash could be three pounds of boxes that you got from amazon.com that you reused that box or you gave it to somebody that needed a box or whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. there's some, or I don't see myself as making that much trash, but then again, it's like where, wherever there's convenience is what Rob Greenfield was saying. Who's yes. the speaker you're referring to wherever we have a convenience, we're essentially outsourcing the energy of dealing with that thing to somebody else or something else or the future or whatever. If it's not your problem, it's definitely someone else's. That's usually the way it works. Like if there's something you notice and and you don't fix it, you're leaving it for someone else. This is something I got from listening to seven Bomar podcasts. Uh, And he actually would say this in reference to like cleaning your own filters internally, cleansing your internal organs, Mm -hmm. doing like a colon cleanse. 
if you ain't cleaned it, it's still there. I don't know if he said ain't, but I was just like, hear that in my head. <laughs> anyway, that, that really applies to everything that you, any mess you make, if you don't clean it up, it's still there. With the exception of if your mommy come and she cleaned that up. You were like doing this head bob and it made me change into like a, a, a weird Filipino grandma accent. I don't know why that happened. Okay, just for the record, so everyone knows I'm Filipino. So that's why that's a thing. I'm racist against Filipinos. So yeah. it's a really weird relationship dynamic we have. Just yeah. kidding. Anyone that knows me knows I have a history of friendship with Filipino people. No, he's pretty racist. God, I like Filipinos. They're cool. Okay, but... To, just to start on kind of the timeline of Envision. Oh, sure. The trip there. You mean being on topic? The trip there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the trip there was great. Um, we, we took these uh, shots of the brain the brain thing. What's Some the kind of brain-focused nootropic. It's like nootropic. a nootropic thing. Yeah, it's yeah. a nootropic you can get at the grocery store Mama Jeans here in Springfield, Missouri. It makes you feel like... Um, it's sort of like rolling. Extremely energetic, yeah. <laughs> it's, you, it's it's like Alpha Brain. If you've heard of that, if you ever listened to On It podcast, but a nootropic is neurotransmitters contained in a drink form. In this case, and whenever your brain actually is not the only place where you have a brain, your gut is a brain too. So when you ingest neurotransmitters like acetylcholine and whatever other stuff is in that amazing brain juice they have at the store, it literally gives your your thought gun more ammunition to fire with like because those neurotransmitters constitute connections being formed and like information and data going back and forth it's like the fuel and you can hit a ceiling with that because you are producing those neurotransmitters with your diet i guess and um being able to supplement that definitely never hurts mm -hmm. it can really help focus it won't make you awake if you're tired though in fact you can easily go to sleep while you're on it and then because you have all that extra neurotransmitter juice you'll be just having the craziest Crazy dreams. dreams yeah but we took some on the way up to kansas city airport and it was intense more intense than i thought it would be i didn't really plan to feel a certain way i just thought it would give me energy but it was uh it was interesting but we made it to the AP, meaning airport, and then <laughs> from there went to Miami with no mishaps, and from Miami to Costa Rica, which is where the adventure began. Began on a shuttle bus that was, how many hours do you think the bus took more than it actually had to? Well, I slept for some of it, so it's hard to say, but I would estimate four. It's mainly just going down one main highway through Costa Rica and stopping occasionally at food markets where people had... Um, question mark street meat and fruit and other <laughs> snacks think like gardening <laughs> think like a gas station in the united states where there's just like a weird weird meat on the roller and <laughs> there's like chips and um all kinds of pastry sweets it's got all of that stuff but it's just outside they're just like set up on tables outside it's like an outside gas station which i guess is fine because the weather's so so good there all the time yeah i mean I maybe it'll rain sometimes but they got they have awnings yeah it's yeah fine. Costa Rica is pretty much paradise weather-wise. It was weird because I immediately saw a person that I knew <laughs> before even boarding the shuttle. And I had only, yeah, I only knew her really over weird. Facebook. I knew her over a Facebook group. But it was really it was really funny because I was like, oh, man, that looks like 
that looks like Sam. I'm pretty sure that's her. And then I did the whole awkward eye contact thing. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to say something. And so sure enough, recognized her off of the internet, which is really weird, but cool. <laughs> weird to think about that happening all the time in our day and age, but it's a thing. Yeah. Um, my buddy Clint has built an entire media website out of that because as far as I understand the history of Lords of Consciousness, which is an awesome website you should check out or YouTube channel. It's a good place to start. Clint is an awesome dude. He started this group to just have like-minded people have honest conversations about where they're at in their life and like trying to figure stuff out. And it's turned into a much larger group. And now it's also turned into Clint becoming an independent investigative journalist and interview interviewer of a lot of really cool and interesting people. And what I appreciate about him is that he's uh, not only is he making connections with people in physical space that he met online, he's actually bringing all those people into one place and having these gatherings where the whole group gets together and um, just camps out in, in Arizona. Seems really cool. I really hope to make it out to their gathering this year. Oh, yeah, that would be awesome. How sweet would that be? I think we could pull it off. And but the other thing what I like about what he does is that as an investigative journalist, that word even has like stigmas to it, in my opinion, it makes me feel like someone that's going around looking for bad shit and like constantly revealing negative stuff and like stressed out because of all the bad, horrible things that they're dealing with all the time. And while there is definitely a place in our culture for bringing attention to bad stuff that's going on, I'm being personally being more aware of it lately than ever uh it's really good to have somebody that's like going around and showing everybody what cool stuff there is what innovations there are what yeah. beauty there is yeah so go look at lords of consciousness <laughs> clint is cool um now we should get back to topic that's oh, a yeah, little plug to, for lords of consciousness <laughs> um so we get to the festival at night after this shuttle ride mm -hmm. and it was a nice shuttle like Really good seats. I'll just throw there that out there. There was a bathroom in there, so it was very bearable if you had to go pee. It was great. I feel like if, if you're going to Envision and you want to have just nothing to worry about, then do the shuttle from the airport, mm -hmm. and you literally have nothing to worry about. But if you were to rent a car, most likely it would be cheaper, and you're essentially... You just need to be able to read and figure out the road signs, but maybe GPS would work for that. I don't know. Or you could get a taxi. Taxi might still be cheaper, but that's just like sketch. <laughs> Not that the taxi driver is sketch or anything, but like you then have a potential communication barrier. Unless you speak Spanish, then maybe you should go. Maybe still, why not rent a car? Um, and then you have to figure out where good bathroom stops are if you have to pee along the way. And on a shuttle, like you said, it's just built in. Mm -hmm. But they do stop if you have to poop. <laughs> you aren't allowed to poop on the shuttle. Oh, you aren't? Not no, that he I... said no numero dos. Oh, okay. Well, not <laughs> that I did, but I'm glad that Albano. I didn't because I didn't even know that wasn't allowed. Probably clog up their pipes or something. No, they probably... <laughs> you're so tiny, you have little rabbit-sized turds, I'm sure, little pellets. <laughs> okay, that is weird. I know, we shouldn't be talking about that. <laughs> Way off topic. This is. First of all, my poop is normal size, and second of all... Let's get back onto this festival time. Yeah, so we arrived and no it was all poop. nighttime and we just walked into the jungle. It was really weird. We didn't know exactly where to camp. So we tried to talk to two people and ask, but they didn't really speak English. So and then we followed them around for we a while. Followed, yeah, we followed them around 
And they kind of would walk to one place and stop and then go to another and stop. And then they'd be like, one minute. And then radio someone. And then I think we kind of just stumbled across it on our own. We're just like, well, they just eventually just pointed. Um, a random direction. And they said, that way. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they we figured just, out a great. We ended up having an awesome spot to camp, though. We did. We got a nice shady spot. So. And if you've ever been camping at a festival, sometimes the, especially early in the festival, the area where the camping is will kind of all look the same. And for us, we were renting a tent, so we don't even have the recognition of a tent that we're familiar with to look for. We're walking back to camp, but on the path right next to where we were camped, they had these big light up um, dream capture style weave hula hoops that had different colors. So you could yeah, just be like, well, we're, we're under the white hoop illuminated led. Yeah. And then within the hula hoop, there was a, dream catcher woven so yeah, it was pretty well was lit neat. in most of the areas that you needed to really the whole festival grounds were well enough lit oh yeah i was impressed mm-hmm. i well, didn't have trouble seeing it all but it was hard to know where we were that first night we kind of walked around and checked out the food stuff and we got some really dank salads oh yeah it was a quinoa salad and it was it was pretty tasty and tons of greens yeah tons of greens it was mostly greens one of the best things about the festival was that there was a shitload of organic vegan options. I was surprised, I will say, though not complaining, but I will say I was surprised at the lack of vegetables. It seemed like there was so much so much fruit, and the fruit there was delicious. Possibly parasite-ridden. Possibly parasite-ridden, because I did come back with something, and, um, yeah, I don't even want to talk about it, but... <laughs> <laughs> The, um, I guess it's common to get parasites from fruit occasionally, but Is it? I don't know. I don't know. That's what I was. That's what I was told. Could also just be a stomach bug, I guess. But it seems more like a parasite in nature. Ugh. Okay. Did just, you take your parasite herbs tonight? I took the parasite herbs. Okay. Cool. I'm taking these parasite herbs because we might have to get you a more strong cleanse. Yeah. Um, Secret Energy's <laughs> got like full parasite removal kit, like step by step cleansing. Yeah, I'm taking the parasite herbs because I don't want to have a worm in my gut. But anyways. And we tried really hard to avoid that. We filtered all our water the whole time we were there. Their water was from a well. It was pretty clean. Everybody else drank it. But I do, uh, I guess a couple people, like a good amount of people got sick last year. Actually. Oh, like a third like or a thousand. of the festival. It mm. impacted the amount of people that showed up this year. Yeah. Montezuma's Revenge. Dun, dun, dun. But the food was great. They had a lot of fruit, um, but I was craving some veggies, and we ended up going to the Indian restaurant there. And that's oh, where the best options were for yeah, veggies. Yeah, it was fantastic. Krishna Kitchen. Krishna Kitchen. Uh, yeah, and then one of the girls that worked there had a, her own clothing line or clothing shop, and she gave us her card. Mm-hmm. It was Wild Mudra. I should link to her Instagram just because I'm going to like probably link to a lot of the stuff we talked about in the episode if I... She makes really not beautiful clothing. I checked it out. It was pretty impressive. Yeah. And the food they served was, this dude ran up to us while we were uh, in line for it. And he was like, you are being served God's food by these beautiful goddesses. And everything about this moment is godly and divine. And you are wonderful and perfect, super light being something like that. And he just was... Going crazy in a good way, but not like in a, not even that weird. I made it. No, it wasn't weird at all. I made it weirder really... than it even was just now. Uh, yeah, you made it sound almost weird, but he was not weird. He Got was like so stoked on that meal, excited and 
It was like he blessed our food. You're just a creepy guy, so it's hard to... <laughs> Hell yeah, I'm super creepy. <laughs> like, how much older am I than you? Let's not, oh. go, let's not go there. No, I'll say it. Okay, we're married. We're married. And I was 27 when we got married. And I was 19 when we got married. What the hell are we thinking? I don't know. <laughs> I'm on out. <laughs> um, but seriously, though, that guy that just popped up and said all that stuff it was literally like he got me so pumped for the food it was as if he was just blessing it with super energy i felt amazing after that meal it was the first decent hearty meal we'd even had for a, a while when we had that one yeah before that it had mostly just been um a couple protein bars and some fruit <laughs> <laughs> oh a couple protein bars no for me it was like okay you so ate, many protein you bars. ate a lot of protein bars yeah but yeah, and then that that uh, fiber protein imbalance was not the greatest thing to have at a festival. But then, before it got too too far along into an imbalance, we had that Krishna kitchen place, and like that was super high fiber. And then I had a nice poop, and everything was good. Why do we always talk about poop? Look, if you're going to describe your experience at a music festival, you know that one of the potential pitfalls, in a literal sense, is the porta potty. Oh, problem. But the porta potty situation at Envision was quite pleasant, if I do say so myself. Yes, I took the survey today. They emailed like, "Will you take a survey about Envision?" And one of the questions was, "How do you rate the bathroom facilities?" And I said four because you could always do better, but it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite clean, I will say that. And some of them even had like no, little kidding. sinks where you could rinse off your hands before you went out to the real sink to wash your hands. And if you're a bit of a porta potty germaphobe like me, which you should be, and I really hope that you are, but it, that would make you happy. Yeah, I actually used hand sanitizer this trip. I never Thank used hand sanitizer. Everyone, everything. <laughs> Thank the universe. Yeah. Chance, you've got a hand washing problem. No, I mean, I just don't excessively wash my hands. That's There's the no problem. problem. It's not a problem. You don't do it. Hardly at all. Bit, you need a little bit of germs. There's a spectrum. There's a spectrum, and it goes from I don't wash my hands ever, and I wash my hands excessively, and you're way closer to the I don't wash my hands ever. Yeah, it's more like, I'd say like a good four or five days a week, I wash the, my hands. Four or five times a week, I should say. Oh, I eat food that you have touched. <laughs> no, never I, again. I do dishes every day, and that constitutes having nope. your hands washed. Nope. They get washed in the process. They get soap on them. They're getting wet. That's a lot of washing. Terrible. So well, you sleep, have to get legal representation to get away from me. Don't remind me. Okay. Sleeping at the festival. Let's talk about that. It uh, was very comfortable and easy to sleep, and it was not so. ultra hot, in my opinion. With the tent rental, um, you're, it's described when you buy it online as you get a a tent with uh, bedding. What bedding ends up being is a like a strip of foam that's just like raw foam that you go lay down on the ground and you put a sheet on top of. You don't really need blankets because it's warm enough. And the foam, be it dirty and nasty, if you have it covered with a sheet, it is quite nice bedding. And I, in fact, want to get that kind of foam for our own future festival adventures because it beats the hell out of an air mattress. You don't need electricity to use it. Mm-hmm. And it still stores pretty compactly. But how did you sleep there? I I think that I slept really well. It wasn't too hot like I expected it would be um, in Costa Rica. So 
I've been to a lot of festivals where whenever you try to sleep, you're just dying and sweating and the the air is thick. But it was not like that. And I was really relieved. I guess the year before was worse. But um, yeah, this year was not bad at all. I did wake up a couple times in the middle of the night, but it was only, it was just because I had so much energy. I think maybe it was the extra vitamin D from the sun, but I felt way more energized when I was in Costa Rica. we were taking a lot of vitamin C um, supplements too. Yes, and electrolytes. We were just blasting these um, organic vitamin C uh, electrolyte packets, just these Basically, you just make some Kool-Aid is what it tastes like. And here's why. It's because when you go on a plane, you're exposed to some nasty shit. I'm just going to say it because, no, you will get sick oh, if you do not take vitamin C. You're not only getting exposed to a lot of Haley. stuff, you're also being cooked on a low level. Like, you're getting cooked a little bit when you're on a plane because you're that much close to the sun. And nowadays, there are even pockets of floating radiation clouds scattered throughout our atmosphere that I've only recently started showing up. Hmm, wonder why. Maybe Fukushima. Fukushima? Oh. Something like that. But since they started showing up, it even calls into question whether or not we're going to even be able to keep using airplanes as a method of travel. <laughs> Man, can we take a second to say that if you are not entirely familiar with Fukushima, you should definitely get informed. Oh, such a bummer. This is one of our world's greatest problems like it like problem to the point where if it doesn't get solved we're all gonna be uh infected like radioactive zombie style and i was listening to mark passio today a podcaster recommended to me by my friend nathan i'm gonna definitely be sharing a lot of stuff by him and one of the points that came across when i was listening to him was how like people who are people who are not i guess uh, awake to reality or to some ver- some version of truth uh there's more there's the type of thing like where you don't know and that's why you're not awake to the reality and then there's the type of thing where you know that there's something you don't know but you refuse to look at it i feel like fukushima is that that's like what our world is really refusing to look at right now. And like that thing that, you know, you need to work on, but you're scared of it. That is the thing, man. Like what's crazy is I don't even know what the fuck I could do to help that situation other than just talk about it because I am not a nuclear scientist. Like, do I need to just start go getting an education on that right now? Just to who's going to take care of this. It's so crazy, but it's also entirely possible. Some invention will come along that, is able to contain that that waste in some way you know this is our chance to innovate our way out of a disaster like we've been able to do every other disaster i think because we're connected to the infinite we are able to express the infinite and that includes solutions to any problem you know included that's what's within our capability there is always a we made the problem we can fix it i think yeah, I agree with that. There's definitely a solution. Um, there's a site I just found, and it says that uh, contaminated fish generally have large body size and high trophic levels, if they're not dead, of course, from the radiation. Bleeding so it's basically from the just gills. Bleeding from the gills. So that makes the, basically makes the fish like monster scary fish. Yeah, just like in comic books. <laughs> radiation I... fish. <laughs> 
Yeah, um, that's why I shouldn't be in charge of reality because radiation would make you turn into a like Godzilla monster. And I, if I was in charge of reality, I would have already got bit by a radioactive spider too. And I would be having superhero adventures. I totally wouldn't fight like poor people the way that most superheroes do. <laughs> superheroes just tend to beat up poor people. <laughs> you notice that? I would totally I don't just know, go straight not necessarily. To... I don't I think maybe they don't discriminate. Like sure, they'll they'll beat up a guy who's trying to steal a lady's purse, but they'll also kick a CEO's butt if he's doing some shady things. No, that's true. But I just what I guess what I'm saying is if I was swinging if I'm swinging through the streets and I see somebody mugging somebody, I'm going to stop them. But I'm not going to just make that my sole job is patrolling the streets. I'm going to go find like the the dark occultist mega bankers and um i guess or what wrap them in web and leave them in front of a police station with some kind of investigative report on all their crimes i don't know this is such a weird tangent where were we okay back to the envision story um we talked about let's talk about what waking up was like the first morning yes um there were lemurs jumping around in the trees above us there were a lot of them i mean i don't i don't even have an estimate because they were just all over the place but there were at least like 20 maybe more just hopping around in the trees yeah a whole gang of them playing and fighting with each other and they were making some really risky jumps too. Oh yeah, I saw one guy from the he went from the very top, he went to the very highest branch he could without snapping it. And he held on with one arm completely extended just dangling from one arm. And he hung there for a second and then he let go, dropping, plummeting all the way down to the bottom branch, not even trying to catch anything. And right as he gets down to the bottom branch, before he would hit the ground to his sad little lemur demise, he grabbed it and just jumped right back up. Like nothing. Like nothing. It was insane. They were so agile. It was crazy. Yeah, they were goofy. And they hung out all morning, but then once music started and it got loud, they never came back. Goodbye, lemurs. They're like, this place is stupid. It's too loud. All the everything's run away. Um, but it was very tropical. They were, uh, as far as the trees go that they were playing in, I don't know what type of tree. Um, I saw them in some coconut trees. There were also banana trees, which I didn't see any lemurs in. They were kind of shorter. And um, mango as well. Yeah, there's, it was literally somewhat of a food forest that we were within. Right. It's just, I guess, Costa Rica's just got mangoes in the street everywhere. I saw a little red frog. That's that was Paradise one friend like. that I met. Yeah, there was a little frog. There was but not a lot of bugs, though. There was, was not cool. a lot of bugs. I hardly got any bug bites at all. You barely saw bugs. Yeah. And... Living things were not as much of a concern there as dead things. Because, let me say this. Oh, yeah, that's a great story. I was on the beach, and uh, there was a river that was kind of running alongside the ocean, and I guess sometimes crocs will just kind of hang out there. I wouldn't call it a river. Oh, there's crocodiles in every, like, freshwater body of water in Costa Rica, apparently. Yeah, there's a lot of them. I saw saw some big ones on our drive. But um, anyway, there's, like, this little, I would call it more of, like, a stream. But some crocs will hang there sometimes. So I went down to the area, and I found the skull of a small crocodile. Might have been a caiman. I don't know if they have them down there, but it it could have been a caiman skull. But it looked as though it was maybe a small crocodile. Anyway, it was in great shape, so I picked it up and decided... 
that I was going to attempt to take it back home with me. It had all its teeth and everything. It had all its teeth and everything. It was great. So, meanwhile, one of the uh, vendors that was down by the beach, because the beach had a lot of people who were local, who lived near the festival, um, selling things and selling food <laughs> and, um, yeah, making money down um, by the beach. It was cocaine, LSD, weed. Mali. Mali. <laughs> cocaine, LSD, Mali. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or they, they I got what you need cigarettes yeah. I got what you need cigarettes that was what one guy said oh yeah the locals were like definitely half awesome and half annoying just like everywhere else in the world yeah <laughs> yeah some of them were trying to sell you cigarettes and sketchy molly and some of them were selling you beautiful works of art amazing works of amazing art like works some of, of the art. jewelry crafters down there they have like their own sort of um style in their country that, that that doesn't really resemble the way the jewelry gets made up here with stones it was it's different from from what i've seen more as like well weave stuff right yeah they didn't uh have any wire wrapping but it looked very similar to wire wrapping in the shape and in the style but it was a, like a macrame but i don't know if that's what it's actually called and a lot of upcycled artwork too like cool cuff um, wristband things made out of um, fancy spoons and stuff like that. There were several people who carved as well. There was one guy who oh, had yeah. bowls and uh, like wooden spoons, and then another guy who had these um, face masks that were carved and they were painted really bright colors of different animals. It was really well-made clay stuff too. Mm-hmm. Like clay pipes that look like animals. So when we were walking up from the beach after I found this skull, one of the vendors kind of takes it from my hand and starts plucking some of the teeth out. And he's so like, oh, I was like, "This is really good." And then he's just like checking out the teeth, taking and, them yeah, out, taking them out. And I was like, "No, what are you doing?" So I retrieve my skull and safely tuck it away in my backpack, and we have a wonderful time at Costa Rica. It was just so, a theme with you having people plucking things they shouldn't. Like the first night, we didn't tell this story about the first night. Oh, yeah. Whenever we were just sort of wandering around, um, checking out the grounds, we found this sculpture that was a moon hanging in this uh, circle. It was the sign for the Luna stage, actually. Yeah. It had stars dangling but from it was a sculpture sign. Like fishing, it was amazing. fishing line or, or thread. Yeah, like um, wooden five-pointed stars that were painted white. They looked really nice. Mm -hmm, and they were dangling by, by the moon. And then... And then this guy comes up. And he starts talking to us, and he goes, you like it? And he points at the sculpture. We're like, wow, yeah, it's uh, it's really nice. I'll point out, when he says, you like it, in the <coughs> time it takes him to say you like it, he swayed left, right, left, right, left. That many sways. He's just swaying. Mm -hmm. And so um, we start half talking, not really. He didn't speak English that well, and we don't really, I don't know, he didn't speak to us in Spanish. He was mostly just trying to speak English. And, um he, I, he said something, I don't know, but he, he was like, oh, do you like the sculpture? Do you like it? And he didn't say sculpture. He's like, you like this? And uh, I said, yeah. And he said something about working on it. And I said, you worked on it? And he said, yes. And I said, you made it? And he goes, yes. And I said, you're the artist? And he just kind of shakes his head yes. Um, so then he walks over to the sculpture and kind of bends down behind it and picks up one of the stars that had been attached at one point but was no longer and he hands it to me and he's like for you he didn't yank it off i thought he just pulled it off well he did before he walked over to us he was messing with it before and it ended up on the ground so i assume oh. he yanked it off on purpose because um plan. after this whole ordeal we we kind of told security about it because it was clear that he was not 
you know, the artist of well, basically, not he the took creator the of this. He took he was, a star off to try to get us to um, buy him beer. Because after he handed it to me, he said, "Oh yeah, you you drink? You buy me a beer?" And I looked at him and I was like, "Oh, I don't drink." And he goes, "Do you want to buy me a beer?" And I was like, "Uh, no." no and he didn't have a wristband on, so we told security. And whenever we went back by the area, I saw him still standing there and talking to another person and another star. Uh, wound up missing from it. So I do believe he plucked that off himself. He's super sketch. His eyes were pure black with no even like brownness in them. It was like just black orbs. It was weird. He's super um, fucked up or drunk or something. I assume drunk because he was trying to get us to buy him alcohol. We both uh, showed him love anyway, though. Gave him hugs and he creepily kissed you. Well, it's, I think maybe because he kissed my neck. I think what he tried to do is what you're supposed to do in Costa Rica is you kiss, you know, you kiss cheek. Mm. And I think maybe he was trying to do that, but no, I don't know. It landed in my neck. neck. It yeah, landed no, my neck. He was, he wasn't cool about it. But anyway, that was kind of a, a theme, I guess, having things plucked unjustly. Uh, in, uh, in um, because teeth and stars right teeth and stars um after the fest i kind of tr- after we were leaving i kind of tucked it into my backpack wrapped skull, up in bandanas the skull. the skull right back to the skull and once we got to the airport um we discovered what another theme of our festival was which is getting in trouble with security okay so the first thing that happens is um we go out on the sidewalk of outside of the airport and we walk a ways down where there's not really any traffic and we start to um, puff on a vape pen that Chance had acquired over the weekend, which I'm sure he'll tell you about um, very shortly. But anyway, uh-huh. we start to puff on this vape pen and out of nowhere, this guy he walks up and he's like, got a uniform and he's got a gun. And so, oh. He's security. <laughs> and he says, what are you guys doing out here? Their security looked like soldiers, though. Yeah, they no. were pretty intense. Yeah, it wasn't like TSA. But we it's have. airport. Yeah, I was going to say it's airport security, but they did look pretty intense. TSA, none of, like, none of them are in shape. This guy <laughs> looked like he could actually take care of some shit if it, it went down. It looked like they had, like, TSA training or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he's like, what are you doing? What are you smoking? And um, I just kind of look at Chance, and I said... Oh, yeah, we were smoking. And he said, what is it? Give it to me. And I said, oh, it's not a cigarette. It's not a cigarette. Trying to minimize. And behind him, oh, he says, um, I heard him say I'm I'm an officer. Chance heard him say I'm not an officer. But either way, he says, I'm an officer. I'm not an officer. He's kind of looking at us, trying to get us to give him whatever it was we were smoking, like the vape pen. Yeah, I didn't really want to do that because THC is not legal in Costa Rica. Right. And that's what the liquid was. So I said, oh, it's not a cigarette. No, we didn't use fire. And he goes. I was like, um, it's e-liquid. He goes, just tell me what you were smoking. And he was kind of being cool about it. He seemed like he really didn't want to get us in trouble. But up behind him came an older older officer. And he was like, what are you guys doing? He didn't look as happy. And, um. We were like, oh, we were we were smoking vapor. It's not like it's not a cigarette. We didn't use fire. We didn't know. And he just kind of looks at us and shakes his head and he goes, all right, well, if you guys are going to do that, go over there. And he points Uh over to the other side of the of the street. And we're like, "Okay, all right. Thank you. And the guy 
kept looking at us, giving us this look of suspicion, like, I know what it was. <laughs> I know what you guys were doing. Yeah, he's like my age. Right. So um, we get into the airport and start uh, getting to where we're going to get our passports checked before we check our bags. And it's him, the guy, the younger guy who first approached us. And uh, like I said, he was really cool. He didn't seem to want to get us in trouble. There were no hard feelings. So I smiled and walked up and gave him my passport. And he goes, all right are we good? And I said, I smiled. I said, yeah. And he goes, are you happy? And I saw, I laughed. I was like, yeah, I'm happy. Are you happy? And he goes, good. Yes, I'm happy. And he, he said, how is your carnival? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, it was great. And he goes, yeah, that's where you were, right? Envision. And I said, yeah. And, um, he goes, yeah, that's what I thought. And, uh, I said, yeah, you should go next year. And he's like, maybe I will. So anyway, I... We told ended, a lot of locals to go next time. Yeah, we did. <laughs> a lot of locals were all like, they knew about it and they wanted to go. We ended on good terms with him and I la di da on well, over to him. Well, for the next I, few moments. Well, for, well, no, we ended on good terms with him. Oh, a different yeah. person busted you for the <laughs> I la di da up to the baggage claim, stuck my bag on there and they scan our stuff. And an, and an agent, agent points at me and says, you, you need to step aside. So I do. And he says, what's in the bag? Pointing at my backpack. And at this instant, I know. I know why he's pulled me aside. And I said, well, there's a blanket and a crocodile skull. And he goes, nope, stop right there. Nuh-uh, not allowed. <laughs> <sighs> Dang it. It was a very perfect specimen. Great, great skull. But I understood. I knew I was breaking the law. So he uh, just had me sit for a minute and called a couple of other agents over and they scanned my passport. And uh, although they confiscated the crocodile skull, I did get a very nice souvenir and they wrote a ticket of confiscation, not a fine. I didn't get fined, just a ticket of confiscation. And it said uh, items one. It was all in Spanish. And it said description one. Craneo crocodile. <laughs> Cocodrile, yeah. I've, I've uh, One really never skull. been more proud of you as a spouse that you got a skull, cro uh, crocodile skull yeah, confiscated you and know, you got a ticket for it that we get to keep forever. We should take a picture of that for this You know, I post. didn't I didn't get to keep the crocodile skull, but I did smuggle an orange, which is illegal. You're not allowed to smuggle fruit. So yeah. I got an orange in the U.S. Yay. Yeah, and it's hard as a rock. It is a really not ripe yeah, orange. We should probably just compost it. Uh Spread whatever crazy fungus is on it to the U.S. No, I'm just kidding. That's terrible. Yeah, what do we do with it? I we don't really know. compromise our entire ecosystem, Haley. I wasn't thinking, man. We need to man. put it in like a mason jar and keep it sealed and never I'm the open type of person who starts this crap, man. I'm the type of person yeah. that is like And now you've admitted to it on a fucking broadcast. So let's get back up and say that everything we've even said in this entire story This is, is all, all allegedly. Yeah, this is all an allegedly. alleged alleged story. So... Let's just take a break and look at the legal ramifications of what we're talking about. <laughs> no, but actually, you want you mind taking a break and getting some water, and also let's I'll look up the schedule for the uh, Envision for Envision, and we'll be able to kind of go over a few things that are like that we actually did based on looking at the schedule, and maybe stay on track and actually get through this conversation a little quicker because we were jumping around a little bit. Not that that's not fun, but. This is gonna, I can envision a two-hour conversation out of this right now. So anyway, we'll be right back. And we're back. See, that didn't even take half a second to you. But we've, like, eaten peanut butter and gone to the bathroom and got water and 
<laughs> I've got a game plan here. I'm looking at the schedule of Thursday. And so the first thing we did was Dance of Tao or Dance of Dao, I guess. I always say Tao because it's spelled with a T, but I guess you say Dao with Taoism, right? Mm-hmm. And it was a uh, Qigong workshop with Orpheus B. What do you remember about Orpheus? Very lively. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He got us really shaking all parts of our body doing mm-hmm. Qigong stuff. Um, and it was a lot more like, it was a lot more playful than and dance-like than what you might expect a Qigong workshop to be. It was really, it was really just like fun and heart opening and uh, not too strenuous, really. Not super powerful stretching moves or difficult maneuvers. It was just kind of like, but it did work up the energy and like wake me up in the morning really nicely. And if you let it, it could have been decent cardio because there was a lot of jumping and dancing around. Oh yeah, I went hard. Yeah, I jumped a lot. (laughs) And that's how you build up more energy. That's kind of a myth in in my past way of thinking about things was that like I would spend energy and be tired. Actually, you got to spend energy to build energy. Right. You uh, initially, yeah. I mean, it does. It costs energy to lift weights or jump around or whatever. But you got to shovel gonna, coal into the furnace. Your body is more efficient when you do stuff like that, and you have more energy throughout the day. You don't feel sluggish. That's just how it works. <laughs> so. Another thing that we did, we actually had another workshop with Orpheus B later, but we can talk about that. Yeah, which was amazing, but... we talk about that when we get to it. Mm -hmm. But that was really cool. Orpheus does have, like, his own retreats and stuff that I'll link to. Um, He's just a really unique dude, honestly. It's hard to describe. He's just, like, very poised, very funny, very insightful, um, very clearly very, like, weathered and experienced with life, but also... Like he's managed to stay relaxed through it, so he's had like yeah. a he has like a youthfulness to him, even though he's not super young. Very, he he does definitely have a youthfulness. I'd love to talk to him on here. That would be cool. Yeah, he would be a great guest. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm sure amazing stories. He gave some uh, really good advice at his workshop, which again we'll talk about that later. But <laughs> yeah, uh, and later in the day though, I guess we probably like. Went and hung out in the village and got some fruit and got some breakfast after that, I would imagine. They had the most amazing banana, the banana bread. bread. I ate the banana bread every day. <laughs> it was so good. Holy crap. That was like, it was, you know, banana bread's simple and so is this, but whenever it's with good ingredients, it's just really good. They put a lot of love in the food at the whole place. And that was at the Envision Cafe, but they were cafe all... Cafe Del Mongo or whatever. Yeah, they were all part of a cafe, like a local cafe. Yeah, from uh, nearby town, Dominical. Really cool place, though. Dominical. <laughs> Everybody says Pura Vida. No. In, uh, <laughs> at Costa Rica. And no. Haley gets mad at me when I say Pura Vida. <laughs> have you seen Chance? Let me ask this. As Have you seen Chance? Yeah. I'm you have to white. look You're up a picture of Chance. Males. And realize how white he is. <laughs> so when he walks around going, oh, ahoy, Pura Vida. It's bad. No, no, no. It's, <laughs> here's how I say it. Pura Vida. <laughs> right? That's more like mm, it. Yep. So I said Pura Vida to a lot of people and a Haley lot. laughed at me a lot. And I thought that that was fine. <laughs> I, had, I had more fun because you were laughing. Uh-huh. So what did we do after that? We went to Circus Acrofusion. 
That was pretty interesting. That was interesting. It was difficult. We didn't stick it, was, it out for the whole thing, did we? No. And I think part of the problem is if you ever go to Envision, bring a yoga mat. Bring oh, a yeah. yoga mat. Yeah, we regretted not having that. It was painful to lay on the... They had like a black <clears throat> mesh down and it was kind of rough and the rocks under it were still kind of sharp so rocks doing, and tree roots yeah and tree roots so doing acro or any anything really on that surface wasn't the most comfortable it so. would have been better if there was no flooring at all because if they just didn't come man i should comment this on the survey because if they didn't have the floors on those things you'd at least be able to see where the damn rocks were well you're supposed to bring a mat they tell you to bring a yoga mat but yeah, we that's came unprepared true. in that way <laughs> yeah yeah and we would have had to check luggage if we had um, one more thing. <laughs> if we had anything else, so. yeah. But next time we will be probably just checking luggage and more prepared for everything. Right. We will. We'll do a lot better next time. It is our first time traveling out of the country. Yeah, that's something that's exciting. It was both of our first time going out of the country. Well, chance you went to Mexico, but yeah. But I was with my parents. I was not in any form of responsibility whatsoever. I was a teenager, and you didn't even have to have a passport for that. So it didn't feel that much like it was like you get on a plane. Get off a plane, shuttle to a resort, hang out at a resort, maybe take a shuttle to like some kind of touristy destination or two. We went, we went uh, snorkeling and that was fun. That was actually really cool. I would do all that again, but I'm sure we will whenever we travel more. Oh yeah. Snorkeling will happen. Except I don't know. There's a lot of radiation nowadays. Probably need to make sure it's in the Caribbean if we're going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Still <laughs> Man. Well, we need like radiation uh, ha- hazmat suits and then we can go snorkeling. That's not that different than a wetsuit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't talk about Fukushima. So circus acrofusion, though. <laughs> circus acrofusion. That, that it was acro yoga is where you like counterbalance with a partner and you do two person yoga where you're like stacking on top of each other and doing poses that require both of you to be in balance in a certain way. Yes. And circus was more of like, it was a little more uh, acrobatics. acrobatic. Yeah, I guess that's the word I would use for it, too. It was a little more acrobatic. Um, more like uh, just tricks that you can do with your body that maybe didn't come from yogic traditions, but still apply in a fusion sense. There's a lot of fusions like that, actually. Yeah, there were. And I think that that is a really cool thing about Envision is it's a melting pot of a whole bunch of different um cultural and spiritual traditions and ideas and um although it was it was deeply rooted in feminine and goddess energy which but it was it was a pretty balanced expression of that like but it was definitely more on like the feminine side polarity wise but i feel like in our culture that has so much masculine dominance that's exactly the type of voice that should be like nurtured and expanded upon. And I brought it up earlier and didn't even explain it all that well, but like I really relaxed because of this festival in a way that I don't normally do. <laughs> and uh, Haley is eating peanut butter now. You can't eat on mic, Haley. Look, I'm listening. You have to know this. You're an audio engineer. You cannot eat or lick things on mic. It will make sounds that will cause people to go crazy. I can hear your little tongue on the peanut butter spoon. <laughs> You're going to get fired. Uh, I'm just kidding. But there there was like an amazing divine feminine energy present at the festival in general, I guess, is what I was what I was saying. I don't know what I'm rambling on about, honestly. <laughs> but uh, the fusion thing, I guess, there was, you know, there was Qigong mixed with yoga. We did a workshop like that. Mm-hmm. There was um, 
There was ice cream mixed with veganism. <laughs> oh my, the vegan ice cream was the best you could ever get. If you go to the vegan ice cream stand, get the mocha chocolate chip. Oh my gosh. Well, we don't know that for sure. We didn't try a lot of the stuff there. No, have. I know for sure. <laughs> it's so good. Get the No, I'm sorry. The um the Yeah. So, segue though. Mocha chocolate chip. We, it's like Oh, yeah. Coffee. Yeah. yeah. No, it's like coffee beans are like, bum. they're in there, man. Like, yeah. you get a serious, it's a tiny cup, but you get a nice boost of life energy from eating that ice cream. <laughs> okay. And also, if you if you go around finding people's litter and you pick up 10 cups that the ice cream is served in, they give you a free ice cream, Uh huh. which I did twice. Moop. Matter out of place. Yeah, there was definitely move squads out and about at Envision. I saw one squad actually um, target and destroy a piece of moop. They were like, we got a moop alert. We got a moop alert. And they're screaming. But uh, we, back to acro yoga, we actually did another acro yoga class not long after the uh, circus acro fusion with this really animated, interesting character (laughs) named Wakapanga. Mm -hmm. And also that guy Diego that you got to do acro with on the last night. Yeah. He was part of, I guess, Waka's uh, crew, and they taught us some partner stuff that uh, they made. Was that the one where we switched partners constantly, or is that a different one? That was the other one. Okay, yeah, you're right, you're right. This one was uh, very, very basic. It's like really um, entry-level stuff, yeah. Yeah, so we had already learned that stuff, but it was good for our practice. And one thing about it that was maybe a downside of the fact that so many people are into it is that for how many teachers there were available and the space available, it was like everyone wanted to do acro yoga. So I think that we might want to just next year dedicate an entire, an entire tent to acro yoga, have like a meditation or flow tent. Oh, they Um, have the, they have the audience for it. Yeah. There's so many people. They should just do acro yoga all day. And that way they can have like beginner, intermediate, advanced classes. And I think, because I think a lot of us there were like, we already know how to do these moves. I wouldn't call myself even beyond beginner, but I know, I know the first level beginner moves already. At RootWire in Ohio, RootWire Music Festival, they had an acro workshop and there was a, there was a great ratio of teachers is the fractal tribes and they were the ones that did the yes. acro fusion with the circus that mm-hmm. we, they were actually had envisioned too. Yeah. Fractal tribe is great for, um, as acro teachers, they, but there was a really good ratio of students to teachers at, at root wire and at envision. There were just so many more people who were interested in the class that that wasn't possible. Yeah. They just didn't have enough teachers. <laughs> it's just like, uh, any classroom, you have to have a good student to teacher ratio. Mm-hmm. But, uh, to his credit, Wakapanga was such a boisterous and commanding energy that he was able to, even though he couldn't really keep everyone uh, he couldn't necessarily work on one move as long as everyone needed to. He moved things along at a pretty good pace, I thought. And yes, like I would have liked to learn more moves, but he was probably just like keeping it simple for the fact that there were so many people. And mm-hmm. um, I just, I mean, for for that situation, for it being packed and for it not being room and um, time and, and teacher to student ratio, I thought he did an awesome job. He was oh, really yeah. funny, really cool. Uh, <laughs> very funny <laughs> yeah uh, he, he would um tell everybody they were really good looking all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was in a new zealander accent 
you're really good looking. I can't do that accent. Oh no, I shouldn't have even done that. No. I shouldn't have even done that. You should never do any accents. Uh, so what else did we do that night? Um, we made it to some sort of opening ceremony type deal, didn't we? Am I wrong about that? Um, no, maybe that was, maybe that wasn't an opening. They ceremony. had the opening ceremony uh, that was kind of like a meditation. Remember that? Yeah, uh, I'm just trying to find it on the schedule, I guess. We hung out in the uh, lounge, the Kula Lounge, which was this awesome spot kind of by where the yoga stuff was. It was right between the two um, different yoga tents, and it was just a place where you could chill. They had cacao there that they served pretty much all day. It was delicious and warm. I have to interrupt real quick because this is like really goofy. But I went to go ch- to go pause the audio because I was like, okay, we're going to cut in with the clip of talking to Brian there. And Brian was like an angelic human to meet, right? Yeah, absolutely. So right whenever I looked, like all tapped over to my program, we were at one hour, 11 minutes and 11 seconds. And that was the first number my eyes looked at. And for the last like six recordings, whenever I switch over to my audio program at some time in the middle of talking and just look at it for the first time in a long time, I'll get the all ones and supposedly the woo woo people say that that's like divine communication symbol <laughs> if you're constantly seeing that and anyway um i felt like the guy that we met who we're kind of introducing here was totally like it was so synchronistic to meet mm-hmm. brian because meeting brian led to meeting navi his friend mm-hmm. and anthony who is a podcast guest already yep. really <laughs> amazing human being um, what do you think about Brian? We'll cut in with a, a, our conversation with him in a second, actually. He was a enthusiastic, um, ambitious person who he is an enthusiastic, yeah. ambitious person who does what he wants. He travels and he makes things happen. Ambitious and, for like adventure. Yeah. Not like to get ahead. That's what's no, cool. No, no. Yeah. Ambitious with no, no negative connotation to that. No, no. <laughs> but yeah, he travels a lot and was talking about the places, all the places he had gone and the connections that he made with people because it seems like that's kind of what he does. He just makes really deep, meaningful connections with people that he meets. <laughs> yeah, so he was just, I go into this Kula Lounge place to take a seat for a minute and uh, there was no actual, the lounge is like all these pads and sofas and chairs outside in the shade under these trees in between the two yoga stages. And yeah, there's just a, a like a, a bench that had a lot of open room on it and just one lone dude sitting there in like a meditative um, composure. And I think that's actually what he was doing when we came and sat down by him. But we immediately were hitting it off so well that I pulled out my mic that I was carrying around with me and recorded some of our conversation and our talk right here <laughs> and uh, insert it. That's all nowhere to insert it because I want to, uh, I do want to play that for you guys. I was just listening. Like, I could have actually stood up and spoke. And you know what? But I felt like, no, I just want to observe more than, yeah. than talk because. And I was listening to some people where they were talking about, and yeah, they were talking about like anything from like drug addictions to alcohol, you know, alcoholism. Or just problems with like their faith, uh-huh. you know, just things that they're doing positively that they're working on with themselves. Uh-huh. It was it was really uplifting just watching that or like witnessing to that. Yeah. And the community leaders were like thanking me like for being there. Like Brian, 
he's a Canadian and like he's here to visit us, you know, and then people were like just showing me love, like just embracing me, you know, they don't yeah. know me from anywhere. Yeah. And then like Brian, like Canada, like because no one's Canadian there, so I was like, whoa, like, what's it like up there, you know? What do you guys do up there? Cold, isn't it? I like, guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's all they know, really, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, I just tell them, well, I just tell them, like, what, how, what I do in Canada. So do you feel like Central and South America, the places that you've been, have a stronger sense of community than, like, in Canada? You know what? That's a very good question. I think mm, yes and no to that question because because I, I'm, I've been fortunate enough that in Toronto, like, even though it's a city that outside of, outside of the country, people just think of it as a kind of metropolitan city, which it is, but deeper than that and I think in, in other places too you find gems you know and, and when I see gems you find a gem of, of a community where you just find like people that just resonate with your heart and then you find people that are into so many things like talents and artistry that then and they want to expand that worldwide right and so there's all this ambition and drive that they have right mm -hmm. and it's funny because 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 of that community kind of brought me like to places like Envision you know because I see the reflection from here and the people that I gravitate to here like, for example in this festival are, this, are there similar vibes that I feel like on the community that, that I'm a part of in Toronto mm -hmm. right and and, in, and also being in Nicaragua where I was like I didn't know anybody there and I, I still ended up finding a tribe there people that I actually like are also in, in, in that scene you know so it was like wow it's like no matter where I go in this world I always attract yeah my my tribe or vibe, right? As, it, as that meme goes, right? Yeah. So I was like, wow. No matter where I go, I really will attract great people. Mm -hmm. As long as I'm in the state of love and being and just present, I'll be fine. Yeah. You know, I'm just trusting, you know? And so, so I would say, that's why I would say that if you come to Toronto, if you're, if you're in a headspace where you want to just find, like, a good, you know, good group of people, you know, where, 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 where we just, like, dance, do yoga, heal each other. You'll find that. Because there's a piece of everything, at least where, where Toronto is, I, I've noticed. Because you can have it all there. You can have, like, a lot of people that are into just money and just business. And there's people that are always, like, they just wants to live, like, a carefree lifestyle or a more relaxed lifestyle. You almost feel like, like, really, like, we should all belong somewhere, like, in the West Coast. Because the West Coast is, like, that's, you know. And a lot of people even say to me, like... Canadian? No, I don't see that in you. you know, huh. People think actually I belong down here more than I belong in my own country. Really? Yeah. Which is great. I think that's a compliment. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and and I, and I find it very very uplifting when even people culturally down here like always like say to me, Brian, you you've been, you know, you, you may have been born up there, but your your heart's really down here. You know? Well, if your parents are both from. Uh, are they both from Central? Or? My dad's from Central, so, so El Salvador, and my mom's from Ecuador. Do you feel like that kind of makes you feel more connected whenever you visit here? Uh, well, there is a connection. There's, a, there's definitely a connection to being down here more because I feel I'm more natural. It's more natural to be down here for me. Mm -hmm. I feel like a, um, a sense of I'm just more of a belonging, just just naturally. Um, thank God I can talk to the, the locals. You know, even if. Even if, with, even if I even if I don't get the actual word right sometimes because it, with every country is a little different, they they'll always say no. But you, your Spanish is so nice, and <laughs> your English is so nice too. Even if they don't understand what I'm saying in English, they're like, wow, you sound like you ha you have a true blend of like 
English and Spanish and you're Canadian but yeah you feel like I feel like you're here but yet you're, it's good and I feel like I'm like a, a good hybrid like you yeah. know like I can be and I've been like I felt like I've been acting as ambassador for a lot of people because there have been many situations where I have to act like this translator and, which I don't mind like it's beautiful like I'm, I'm here to help people out and, you know so yeah I feel like I feel I feel I feel like like I'm a, I'm a guy that's like embracing my own culture but also I feel Canadian as well yeah because there's a part of me that's Canadian as well like I mean I do everything what a typical Canadian would do like I, I can't even skate I can't <laughs> <laughs> I don't even watch hockey but there's, not, there's nothing wrong with hockey I just, I just can't do any of that stuff right but at the same time I mean like I'm st- I still feel like I'm, I'm like it's home you know yeah and but yeah like when I come out here it's like this is also home too you know mm-hmm. it's like I got two houses that I can go I can call home you know yeah two places you know so now that I've been traveling down to Central America I can see like how a lot of a lot of actually old memories brought came up like nostalgic stuff like like for example I don't know if you guys been in chicken buses but like chicken buses were like like sermons like everyone's like preaching the Lord's name and everything and I'm like wait a minute this reminds me when I was a kid when my mom used to like bring me here and then when I was in El Salvador and I and ate all those all those authentic foods I'm like I remember when I used to eat this when I was a kid so like, did you come did she bring you down here a lot when you were younger my mom did my mom did uh, my, dad, my dad like I said I've never been to El Salvador until yeah. just recently like my whole life I've never been in El Salvador just heard about it until, until like just on this trip that I just first came to El Salvador yeah and so I had, I had all these pre- preconceived notions about what it was like but it's nothing like well some parts were kind of like that but for the majority of the time it was, it was just a chill it's a, it's a very relaxed place yeah. yeah as long as you don't you know like anywhere else in the world like as long as you're not up you know you don't you don't do things that you know don't serve you and, and if you're about like caring for your community caring for your local human being and, mm-hmm. you know you'll be fine you'll always find people that'll, that'll, that'll receive you and that'll be wanting to give you like remember I said the story people just give you their last fruit they're like down to their last time and they're so giving you know yeah yeah and just like and just like being able to embrace life and like catching sunsets and catching sunrises I, mean, I think that's very important you know, even in the city, I was like, I was living, I was, I was staying in a very high point in the city, and I was always able to catch the sunrise and always able to catch the sunset. Even though all that stuff is happening, you still like embrace that you're that you're that you're receiving life when the day starts. You know, it's like the inhale and the exhale, the inhale of sunrise and the exhale of the, of the sunset, right? Yeah. And so that's what I've been trying to do. That, that's my personal ceremony, like from my, to myself every morning. Right? Even today, I went to the 6 a.m. I was out on the beach, uh-huh. inhaling the, the, the life that's, that's going to begin the day. You know. Uh-huh. So with that, with that headspace, I feel like I'm protected. You know, wherever yeah. I go. You know, like telling people that I'm coming to Central America, the first thing that people tell you, like it's so dangerous down here. There is, there's an element of danger everywhere, right? And yeah. There is, you know, I, I, I mean, just by, just by even my own eyes, like I'm like, there's, there's danger there. I won't go there. Why would I go there? I'd rather be where, you know, in a community where I know I'm being loved and I'm, and I'm loving as well. So, yeah. And that's what I gravitate towards too. And then along the way, I've been finding that, you know, very organically. You know? Yeah. And envision being an envision is because I've already been here before. It's like I know where this is home. You know? so, home, I've connected here with so many times. My soul has really been grounding to this place before because I've been here three times now. My third time this year, right? So, yeah. So I highly recommend that if you guys, you know, I mean, this is your, I don't know if this is your first festival, but if you just really like surrender 
to like the vibe to the elements you know yeah we're a little bit uncomfortable because of the, the heat and stuff like stuff that we, we wouldn't do at home right but once we let go it's like wow the heart's open to honestly see. this temperature right now is it's beautiful perfect. i like this yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah me too. i'm in my so, element <laughs> yeah me too i like look at me we're just like have naked ears all good but, <laughs> just uh, find some shade if you're hot yeah. yeah or go to the beach well i'm always cold anyways whenever we're yeah, whenever you're a we're tropical home, person yeah my Maybe it's in my blood. I don't know. My grandma's from the Philippines, and so it's pretty warm over there. Maybe that's why. I'm Have you been to the Philippines? I've never been. No. Than to go force myself to see music that even though I love the music, I would have 
made me it would have not been a healing thing to do i guess <laughs> and that whole the whole festival experience was very like healing oriented so i missed closinger which would have been cool we missed late night radio which i'm sure was awesome and there's plenty of other we stuff we missed that Closy not... herself yeah that was later yeah we missed quite a bit of music in this festival actually because we tended to rest more than at a normal festival but you know that's uh Again, I don't regret it, and the workshops were more of the appeal for me at this festival anyway because it's a more unique thing. Yes, Because a lot of these artists you can see elsewhere. There were some things I hope to catch, like Opio, that I haven't seen before, and I really wanted to. But uh, all that stuff stuff became fuel for me to transform. Anytime I had some, like, thought, like, I'm let down by an expectation or I wanted to do this I didn't get to, I... I was really lifted up by the energy of the place and I was really kept present all the time. And I mean, I was trying to do it for myself as well. And of course that does matter, but it was just totally amazing and impossible for me to really let go of that stuff quickly and not be held back by it at all. The, uh, the potential for disappointment for not, you know, there's always that at every festival. You're never yeah. going to go to everything you want to at a music festival. That's what's crazy about it. And that's right. why I don't like them to be bigger than a certain size, honestly. You can, but if you decide that you're going to do that, you have to have your stuff planned out and hammered out, and you kind of have to be rigid about it to the point where you might miss out on an experience that you couldn't expect to have, you know, which there's nothing wrong with either way. Both ways are good, but I like being a little freer about it sometimes because then you have alternate alternate experiences. Music festivals are a microcosm for living a lifetime, and I mean that. Oh, yeah. Because... There's all these potentials that your life could take and all these branching paths. And you show up with a group of friends or maybe you show up by yourself, depending on what type of soul you are. <clears throat> and you, you, go, you go on all these branching paths. You could go to this stage or that stage. You could learn this or that. We, every person comes out with a unique perspective on the event. And <laughs> I've, I've said this since my first music festival is that life is life is literally no different than going to a music festival like your soul your soul whenever you return from living a life it feels like you just went on a trip just like going on a music festival feels to us here like the time distortion experience of it uh well it's weird like you go to a music festival you haven't even and been it's gone almost... at all whenever you get back it's been no time is what it'll feel like mm-hmm. but sorry continue oh what's weird is that it, it feels like in a dream whenever you wake up and then you go to sleep and you continue that dream that's almost how music festivals are they almost all like weave together mm-hmm. and it's hard enough to even remember things in order yeah but they almost all like weave together and it's interesting because oh you mean like festival, one festival to the next yeah like oh yeah it's like festival life and real life yeah it's like a separate universe it is and what's oh, yeah. interesting is that the community the festival community is so connected and um, so consistent that you run into the, some of the, you're like, what the heck? I saw you yeah, in California. Yeah, I saw California. my friend Joe from St. Louis. Yeah. Who showed, who, uh, Joe Russo, Moon Tribe shout out. Uh, I saw, um, a dude wearing a lucid shirt. Yeah. Who was from Florida to... even. He didn't even know Dean. Yeah. Uh, that Nick, was cool. Nick was his name, I think. Mm-hmm. The guy with that shirt. Him and his wife were both, uh, Super lucid cool. fans. Yeah. They were good people. Um, but it's like you might run into a person in Costa Rica at a music festival that you met in um, 
Ohio or in California at a music festival. But how festival. I see it is like each each music festival is an individual lifetime in this metaphor. So you will see the same people at different, like you might see them this lifetime and not this lifetime or the next, but then on another one, three down, you do see them. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, it's because we, we become, we are like reborn in these experiences in a lot of ways. I mean, not everybody, I guess, has transformative experiences at music festivals. Well, no, you do. Everybody does. Every moment really? of your life is a transformative <sighs> experience. Yeah, that's and right. every moment of your life, you're a different person than the moment you were before. But whether you grow or you, you know. Devolve. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, up People to you. can devolve at festivals. Yeah, that's true. People can devolve in a lifetime. They can get so yeah. damaged in a lifetime that they end up accumulating new karma and get, um, and like, put put time on the clock as far as uh, the distance between them and enlightenment. And it's interesting. I think uh, maybe once we have more of an understanding of the realm's dynamics and karma in general, like we might start doing that kind of thing purposefully so we can set up lifetime experiences for ourselves next time. But I think it's also something that maybe the darker cult does to us without our knowing through some of the things that they um, suggest into our culture. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So they like purposefully um, encourage us to do things that will increase our karmic weight. Yeah, like um, the slave. That's interesting uh, theory and concept. And I definitely. Enslaving animals. I mean, that's what it is. Like if, if you buy meat that's factory farmed, if you buy meat that's factory farmed There's and you do it out of that. ignorance. Still well, it's karma. still racking up your karma because it's ignorance, you know, ig- yeah. ignoring it's you could figure it out. And that's why. That's why I highly recommend anybody start looking into uh, occulted information. Occult just means hidden, to hide. Mm -hmm. And what is being hidden from us are these like background mechanics about how life works that you actually know they work this way inside and intuitively, instinctually. You know that you shouldn't be involved with animals being tortured. I mean, animals eat animals. That's life. Life does that. but. Uh, even even that living uh, there's not a lot of types of living that are truly karmic free like i don't know how an animal gets out of being a certain type of animal for example and changes to something else it might be really difficult and rare for all i know man we're really on a tangent here (laughs) (laughs) do you want to talk about the qigong yoga and qigong workshop we did with kevin courtney sure that was friday morning um Kevin is somebody I hope reaches out and uh, gets in touch with me because I don't have a way to... Well, I guess I could probably look up the word Kevin Courtney. Yeah, I need to hit him up for this show. He said he'd be interested. Um, Really, really interesting to get yoga and Qigong merged together because you're doing sort of like the... You're sort of blending the breathing and the movements with the strength and the um, posing, like... They complement each other really well as disciplines, and it's opened up my eyes as far as like my desire to start actually learning some yoga so I can incorporate it into my daily practice because uh, I need a little more variety than I have currently with just the Qigong that I know, although it has been in, in, intensely useful. I just need more stretching knowledge in general because like not even mentioning like the meditative aspect of a stretching practice or like a, a, a mindfulness practice at all, but including yoga or Qigong. Um, aside from that, it's got the physical benefits of stretching out your muscles and freeing up um, 
okay, here, it's weird, it's weird. Whenever I'm stretching, I will literally feel the spot in my muscle that's bunched up or tight, and I'll have a thought that's typically negative. And I'm like, why am I thinking about this? And I start thinking about it, and I'm like, wait, why are you thinking about this? You're supposed to be stretching. And as soon as I let it, like, truly release it, that part of my muscle will release. Yeah. And that happens to me happens all to me the Qigong time, too. like daily. Whenever I stretch before I do my workout, that always happens. Whatever's bothering me during the day immediately comes up. And as I release it, my muscles relax as well. And that's something that maybe people that have only done yoga on a, a handful of times or mindfulness practices like that a handful of times, it's not immediately apparent that that's happening because you have to cultivate awareness to even be able to notice that this thought is correlated with this thing in my body mm-hmm. but it's all there the, all your thoughts are physical they man they just reverberate right out and come back to you instantly like two two nights ago you and i were talking about wanting to meet a nutritionist and make an appointment with a nutritionist and the next day the next day at the gym aubrey recommends me to Mar- this woman marissa who just graduated and started her own practice as a nutritional um Nutritionist and like just entire workout physiology um, coach, you know, but I, it's not like you can be like, oh, it's just a coincidence. Okay. Well, can I tell you how many other times I've been introduced to a nutritionist? None. Okay. So there's also a coincidence. That's also not that big of a coincidence because maybe I was talking about wanting to meet a um, nutritionist. Sure. But that doesn't, that doesn't negate the thought or the idea that your thought and your words create your reality and bring it to you because the fact that I said it and talked about it is what led someone else to know, to introduce me to that other person. Like just because it's an obvious um, chain of events doesn't mean it's not like you caused that with your words. You did like everything you do from big and large comes back to like the way you thought about it or um, the things that you said to yourself. It's, <laughs> it's a, uh, it's not, it's also not that you create the entire reality with your thoughts alone. We co-create this thing, but um, if we have, we do each have a lot more weight and outcomes and even influence on each other than we like to realize. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so cool to be at a place like Envision where all the intentions were aligned for um, growth and like you didn't see people that were just completely faced. <laughs> no, no, there weren't people who There was people intoxicated though. And there there's were a lot of beer some, cans. There were people around. who were drinking and I saw some people intoxicated, but there's nobody where I looked at them and I thought, Oh, I'm concerned about your health. <laughs> uh, Everybody seemed to be taking pretty good care of themselves overall from from what I saw. So that was good. So what else did we do though while we were there? Um we we went to John Perkins workshop oh that on a side note of people taking care of themselves there was this a there was this tent a zendo tent and if you have not heard of the zendo project it's like a psychedelic harm reduction they're part of the maps organization the multidisciplinary academic multidisciplinary society academic study of psychedelics something like that yeah they're just I forgot what it stood for, but... But it's harm reduction, like you said. <laughs> yeah, it's harm reduction. And they um, would let people lay on cots with fans, and they had their own restroom. And- Our friend was, like, feeling sick, and he went there and took, a, like, a nine-hour nap, and they gave him some herbal medicine, too, from the nearby local witches. And 
like he literally had a gnarly cold when we first met him and he was like wiped out and tired. And uh, then the next day he was fine. Like he didn't have any symptoms apparently. Yeah. He was doing lots of Molly, still hanging in there every day, doing Molly every day and not even, not even appearing to die. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm sure he was doing it in like a pretty safe way. Hopefully he was supplementing with 5-HTP and getting plenty of water. Electrolytes and A lot of electrolytes and water. And uh, allegedly he was doing that. Um, let's not connect him to that, actually. No one knows who we're just talking about. Yeah, I was going to say we might not want to. <laughs> no, maybe I should edit that out. Yeah, edit that uh, out. Well. So anyway, he felt a lot better and looked a lot better the next day. He, I don't know, he was ready to do everything after ha- ha- getting some TLC from Zendo. And um, the bruise bruise that the witches made were like amazing. Herbal well, not, not concoctions. Like, not brews, you know, like that's such a... Witches brew. Witches brew. But they were like making the magic potions though. They're yeah, it was like potions. Elixirs for your health and vitality. Yep. Herbal, like lots of turmeric, guys. Just... Turmeric's good Tumeric for you. Turmeric is amazing for you. <laughs> um, I guess... There's uh, turmeric in our chili tonight. Other stuff we did on the first day, we saw the Funk Hunters that night, and that funk was really fun. killed it, yeah. Um, one of my favorite synchronicities that happened at the festival was on the night at the Funk Hunters. I feel like, uh, feel like I should share this story. I think it's a good one. So one of the problems with being in a vision, if you like cannabis, is that the local cannabis is really shitty. No offense, locals, that maybe that you guys have good stuff and I just don't know about it. But the stuff that we got starting out was just like janky. So you had to pretty much have an entire joint to enjoy the cannabis. And, and well, the guy who who had uh, presented it said that it was like $80 if you wanted to get non Rick. Yeah, like medical grade stuff that we would see here for much cheaper is way more expensive down there. I guess that makes sense. But anyway, I was like frustrated with having to constantly roll joints and not and feel like a slave to it. And I did honestly come to a big conclusion while I was at Envision that I've got to like change cannabis habits to be more um, self-controlled, I guess, because it just isn't. It represents an energetic leak to me if I'm using up a lot of my time doing the same thing then i can kind of and it's not something i consciously want to be spending a ton of time on then that's sort of like a leak energetically it's not balanced so i was feeling that way and uh i still continued to persevere and roll the joint but a dude that i was sitting next to during the fun hunters pulls out this awesome thc pen Uh it's like one of those um cartridge jammies and like disposable cartridge things and he's like here do you want to just hit this and i was like yeah and i'll share mine with you whenever i'm done putting it together he's like all right i finished putting it together he takes like one puff off off of it and he's like see you later and he just dips and he's like this weed was shit probably he didn't care to finish the joint (laughs) but like as soon as he left another guy sits down right where he was and he goes hey do you have like an extra joint i could buy or something and i was like you can just smoke ours with us brother and the guy who had allowed us to smoke off of his vape pen his name was ryan yeah and uh, the guy, I was like, what's your name, man? And he's like, my name's Ryan. And we we're like, yeah, Ryan just left. So you can take his spot, Ryan. <laughs> it was weird. And then as we were uh, smoking, he starts telling me about this girl that earlier in the day or the day before had like tuning forked him and gave him crazy psychedelic vision or some kind of experience, I guess. I don't know. It was hard to hear because the funk hunters were there. But as he finishes talking about her and like finishes his sentence, a girl walks up behind him and taps him on the back. And he's like, 
holy shit, I was just telling them, them about you. And she's like, oh, wow, cool. And she pulled out the tuning fork and she put it on my forehead. And I saw really crazy stuff. And then she put it on my feet and they vibrated up to my feet. And I started oming spontaneously, which was weird. And then she told me that the, the uh, fork was tuned to the ohm frequency, whatever that is. And I was like, oh, that's weird because I just ohmed spontaneously without even like, it wasn't like, uh, I'm going to ohm now. It was just like, oh, it just started. <laughs> it was super crazy, especially because it was at a loud stage. Like you'd think a tuning fork would be canceled out by that. But she was getting it vibrating and then pressing it up against my forehead or on my foot directly while it's vibrating and it would resonate through my entire bone structure and um yeah i saw really interesting stuff i saw i saw my own face with one red eye and one blue eye oh, and it was so like weird. spinning in this like and it was like in space and my hair was like floating in all directions as if it was in water or in no gravity in the when i was looking at it with my eyes closed it was weird that's a tuning fork, guys. Uh, I wasn't on drugs other than smoking some good, good weed, uh, cannabis, but it's not supposed to be like that. <laughs> no, I, I, or it is supposed to be like that, actually, because it felt like what was happening was my third eye was getting resonated open. And uh, I feel like maybe an activated human being would just have that kind of a sight when they close their eyes pretty much all the time. The ability to like actually see themselves. That's what we lack here is the ability to actually see ourselves. In this dimension, I mean. Anyway, what else did we do? We saw um, Govinda, and they had Quixotic performing with them. Govinda. Um, we didn't see Govinda. We missed Govinda. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. We saw Quixotic the next day, didn't we? They had their own performance. Yeah. I guess, like, we went and... After the Funk Hunters, it was midnight, so we went and crashed out after that, didn't we? That was it for us. Yeah, around that time, we went and crashed. We went back to the tent to get stuff and get our stuff together for the night and ended up just falling asleep permanently. <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. But theme. we woke up decently early every day, so we got a lot of stuff, uh, got a lot of time, yeah, got a lot of time during workshops. the day. Um, early morning workshops were really fun. Like yes, <clears throat> day three Saturday, we didn't do as many early morning workshops. Uh, we did go to the beach that day though. We we went to musically. We went to very little. <laughs> we saw Rising Appalachia though. Mm-hmm. That was really amazing. Rising Appalachia was great. Yeah, that was like a spiritual experience for a lot of people. Many people in the crowd crying tears of pure bliss and release and it was pretty cool i was just kind of like sitting there really tired we were laying there <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was i was really taken over by like the rest like i think that was part of the feminine energy of the place like i was really hit hard by the restful relax like just chill out energy most of the days the last night was the only night where i got um pow just went crazy <laughs> We stayed up all night on the on the last night on Sunday because we had to get back to a shuttle that was leaving at 6 a.m. to take us back to the airport. Oh, yeah. Um, our shuttle actually 
had to get changed because it was originally planned for 10, right? Yeah, something like that. But, that but was gonna the be shuttle was not going to make it in time uh, to catch our flight. So we had to catch the 6 a.m. one. And we, of course, ran into uh, our friend Navi before taking off. And he had been waiting on his shuttle for a long time. So um, leaving was probably the hardest part out of the whole thing. Well, looking to, we did some stuff Sunday before we left, though. Like we had that workshop with Orpheus B. Oh, yeah. The it was Orpheus called B workshop Sacred was Tai Chi and Qigong. Um, oh, wait, is that a different one? No, 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 that was, it wasn't that, no. No, it was something about, uh, there's something about, cre- oh, you know what? Words. I think mm. the, maybe the, um, online schedule has different names for some of the things in the schedule. Like, some things got changed from the one that was the printed schedule. Huh. I think, honestly, because it was called something different. It was about, like, shaping reality with your words. Well, we have the printed out schedule, but it was definitely uh, about words and the yeah, way the, you... the title here is Sacred Tai Chi and Qigong. That's not what that workshop was. Uh-uh. Oh, wait. Maybe I'm just looking at the the wrong... Uh, <laughs> this is goofy. I'm probably just looking at the wrong part of the schedule. He probably had multiple, multiple other uh, workshops going on. Anyway, the workshop that we did see him do, he talked about, like sort of his life path and about his, I don't even know what he talked about. He just made everybody feel really good and just talked. <laughs> Do you even remember what he talked about? No, that's pretty much what he did. He was he just, just encouraging the energy of the place. Like mm-hmm. it was very, it was obviously very improvised, but it was so cool. I don't know. Yeah. This he was being very encouraging and giving um, <clears throat> advice for like, Oh, well when, when something happens that goes against the grain in your life, you can react this way or you can react this way. And this is, you know, what you can expect from your choices. And it was very like grounding. Yeah. It was very grounding, like neutralizing and made him, he showed you through allowing you to realize what he was trying to say, like advice on how to handle things and just how to go about your life path, I guess. And I ultimately, I think he made it made people feel like it's okay that if your life path is just to wander the earth and to just be happy and just be a good person, that that is a good life path. Because that sounds like, essentially that seems like that's what his life path is. And he's amazing. And he's like, Oh, I mean, he teaches a lot of retreat or he teaches a lot of, uh, yeah, but like, I don't think he was doing that his whole life. I think like his life of wandering around and being a cool guy led him to being able to be that kind of a teacher, you know? Yeah. So not that you're going to wind up being a teacher if you're just like a wandering traveler who follows their soul's whim, but you will turn into an op, an ideal ver- a more ideal version of yourself if you just follow your heart like that. That's kind of what I got out of his workshop, maybe. Yeah. That's not what he was saying, but that was like the model that I took from him as a human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that w- that workshop was really great, and that was over um, by the village witches. Yeah, area. the village witches. We also we, we had met- a we had a whole another crew of people. Um, other than the ones we've mentioned with uh, Navi and Brian and Anthony. Um, Well, we first, we had our two cool neighbors, Malen. Oh yeah. And, and and Kyler. Yeah. Tyler, not Kyler. Tyler, not Kyler. (laughs) He reminds me of my friend Kyler. So I was calling him Kyler in my mind. Whoops, but he's Tyler. But yeah, Tyler and Malen, they were really cool. Yeah. They were our tent neighbors. And we made another friend on the bus. Oh, Connor? We made two. Connor, Connor and, and another Tyler. Yeah. 
Shout out to those guys if they happen to ever check out this episode. That'd yeah, be awesome. Yeah, they were super cool. They were kind of... We should shout out to plenty of people. We Well, we went to town with um, Tyler and Malen. Yeah, that was when we went to Uvida. 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 <laughs> no. Piara Vida. No, okay. Stop. We're done with that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. we went to town with them, but didn't really get to see a whole lot of the shops. We more so went for the uh, ATM and went into the supermercado. So that we was We rode cool. there in the random back car of a random kid. We hitchhiked. Was, yeah, actually, yeah. We literally hitchhiked which I always said I wouldn't do in a foreign country, but it was okay. And the guy was really cool. Yeah. Um, I spoke to him in my broken, terrible Spanish. He did pretty good English. He did. He not had the best, English. but not, not bad. Not the best that was there. That's all. Not that I'm like saying he was bad at okay, all. Okay, whatever. Judgey McJudgerton. Fuck. <laughs> so um, musically, we saw the Funk Hunters again on Sunday during the day. That was cool. We went and played on the beach a lot that day. And that was yeah. like the day that I was definitely out in the sun too long and not sunscreened enough, but I didn't really get burned. You looked like you were going to burn, but it faded quickly into a tan. So I think that you were fine. But yeah, Funk Hunters was at that beach stage and it was like the one that was like a painting and that was really fun. Yeah. Um, it was good to get multiple sets of somebody that you were wanting to see later in the night whenever we started like going totally ham. Started with a uh, panty raid, probably. Actually, Dreamer's Delight was really good. We saw Dreamer's Delight at like 10 o'clock that night. That was awesome. And then between that and panty raid, we wandered around a bit, got some food, did stuff at the vendors. We met. Um, we met some amazing vendors. Yeah. And some amazing. Um, yeah. I got a super cool infinity items. hood <laughs> scarf. I got this infinity hood scarf from uh, Sam. What's his name? Sam, and he gifted me um, a jade necklace slash bracelet that he made. Um, he drilled the holes in the beads, and there are 180 of them, I believe he said. Wow. Uh, the string that he used to thread it through was made of upcycled rubber cord, basically, that his dad had given him a long time ago and was just like, hey, make something with this. And so he started making these beautiful bracelets and uh, he gifted me one of the one of them. After and cutting the way price, he wove the cord was like imitating sinew, so it's like really strong. Mm -hmm. Also, even after he gifted me that, after even cutting Chance a good deal on the hood that he purchased. Yeah, so. I'm definitely going to have a link to Infinity Hoods. If you want to see, there's their hand-stitched Guatemalan fabric. They've got awesome stash pockets, make you look like a Jedi, and keep sun off of you. I got that on the last night, ironically. It would have been great to have the whole fest, but it's always, in my opinion, good to go talk to vendors on the very last day. That way you don't, because I'm just an impulsive fuck with my money, so I have Impulsivo. To, it's bad. But it worked out great this time. We also met um, some fun people at, um, oh, what was... Uh, what was the girl's name who were, was, who was in the with, same with, with Matt or Sam or with Sam? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's on I the tip of my tongue. Yeah. There were two, um, the lady who I believe owned it or kind of started it. And then Is it like Kimberly or something. Or yeah, I think so. I don't know, but all of the people who worked there were really cool, had great conversations with them. And then we also met Johannes. And then we met Johannes, which, uh, he, makes shoes out of upcycled tires and the loofah, loofah yeah, sponges, the loofah yeah. sponges, the cucumbers. 
that are also scrubby. He uses that on top of a tire, uh, upcycled upcycled tire tire material, and then he uses cloth to fasten that sandal um, threaded through the toe and around uh, around the foot. But he has a lot of different styles. A lot of his um, fabrics are different, so he has different. Each one is unique. Each pair is unique, really. Um, but his tent was shared with what was the other guys? Uh, he had like tie dye tapestries. Yeah, they were like just big tie dyes, tie dye sheets and blankets. They were also really beautiful. But uh, with Johannes, what I remember so was so awesome about his vision was like he was saying he wanted to just go sailing around the world. And uh, oh yeah, I was like wow. That we met multiple people who were like interested in sailing or were sailors. And his business model for Eco Bombas was really interesting. He yeah, wanted to Eco Bombas were was the name of the shoes. He was like, let's expand horizontally, not vertically. Instead of like creating a factory where we ship all our shoes out from, we teach people in different places how to do it for themselves. Yeah. So you're like empowering people in their own homes. And uh instead of making money off of people, <laughs> you help it's such a better model. And I feel like a lot of future solutions will come about that way where like we all just start doing something for ourselves that corporations used to do for us especially once we have more availability to have things like 3d printing right at our fingertips and speaking of sailors we met a woman named rihanna yeah rihanna and she was from the netherlands or something uh yeah i think she was from the netherlands i'm pretty sure but she was literally a sailor yeah she and she cooked in the galley uh, and she did it just for the love of being on the ocean and being on boats. Yep, like, just because she wanted to. It was super cool. She was not. She wasn't really yeah, down pretty... for like the fishing and stuff. She. I feel like she's there to help change the that from the inside and like help overfishing stop in her little yeah, area. Yeah, that's pretty much what she said. Is uh, she wanted to stop overfi- uh, overfishing and educate the seamen on overfishing, taking care of the ocean better. Right. Yeah. And she had kind of taken a couple of her um, crewmates, I guess, to the <laughs> festival. And so they were probably all having a good time. Well, I think she got brought there by somebody. Oh, she got I brought there? I think she there. didn't even know what she was getting into. I thought, okay, okay. Yeah, she was a really wonderful person. We met her while we were eating the Krishna Kishan god food. It was delicious. <laughs> so good. And then we ended up running into her a bunch more after that. <laughs> yeah, I ran into her a gang of times. It felt like we had unfinished business. Mm-hmm. Probably going to see her again in this lifetime. That's how it works, weirdly enough. Yeah. <laughs> but then maybe not. It might have to be a whole other lifetime from now. Yeah. That's the other thing about how weird it is. Like You look familiar. Have I met you before? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, there's nothing. Rewind like 400 years. You guys are like, <laughs> like hanging out. making out like a, <laughs> a futon in Zeta Beticulate Prime. Not even on Earth. <laughs> but they have futons there. Yeah, the whole world is made of futons, dude. <laughs> so, uh... Oh, yeah, we had a... A... Daisy crew. Or a sunflower crew. Oh, yeah, we didn't even talk about them. Yeah, we met a really cool group of people. Um, when I was at... I went to a yoga class that Chance did not go to, and he went around and did his Chance thing. And... uh <laughs> Right after the class, I started talking to a a girl named Hannah, and I met her crew, and she was like, yeah, you should 
come come with us. We're going to go to the beach right now. So we kind of paired up as a team and Chance in the meantime had been talking to another girl from their group and we just kind of intersected and both had been talking to members of the same clan essentially. So Yeah, while we were separate like while we were separate. We went to go find our respective people and as we turned to look for them we realized they were right behind us and already together. Yeah. Yep. Um what happened there when I met her I think her name was Laura She's the girl with the sunflower, though. She yeah. actually lived in Costa Rica. Yeah. Um, I was doing some Qigong, and as I finished, I started talking to Anthony because he always showed up whenever I was doing Qigong. <sighs> and as he walked away, uh, I struck up conversation with, I guess I'm going to call her Laura. I feel bad if I got the name wrong. But from across the way, blonde girl with the sunflower, you know who we're talking about if you're listening. <laughs> uh, and she... Uh, she was like, oh, you you kind of like had a purple aura going on, essentially, she said. And I was mind blown by that because I was actually specifically cultivating that energy, like trying to direct crown chakra energy that day and throughout the day. And um, it's uh, kind of it's kind of fun, super fun whenever you get confirmation that stuff that is information that you're sending into the imagination is pick, can be picked up by other people like. I'm starting to have a conceptualization about that, that maybe the imagination itself is the shared space that we're all connected through. And whenever what you can imagine, someone else can imagine. Mm-hmm. And it's just about syncing up in a way so that you can both, if you're both communicating on the imaginary realm, then that's how you're able to be psychic with each other. I think but you, that's why belief is like, so important to it. In a sense, your imagination is a tool to... Um, create without a direct manifestation within your reality. Now, if you become fixated on something, that can happen, you know, probably like you could cause something in your realm of physicality to happen because you've just been obsessing over it. But you made that happen. But whenever you imagine something and you daydream, um, even if that does become real in some way because you thought of it in your mind, it's not going to be real in your experience. So that's almost the fun of it is because you're, it's like, oh, I, I'm not going to have to have whatever I imagine happen so I can just think of whatever. But it kind of is dangerous if you think of it that way, because whenever you imagine something negative, then it does create it in a way. Well, I, I, I what I made my my point, I guess, what I'm even talking about specifically is like whenever you you are able to visualize something that's non-physical and literally see it. Like, what if you and a friend are both on psychedelics together and you see a gnome and he starts talking to you and then you go to your friend, dude, do you see that gnome? And he sees the gnome too. I would be like, what the heck? That's, I think that's why people can have like shared paranormal experiences, like things that are coming in through the imaginary realm. We can all like, um, another way of putting it is like people who can see energy or auras will see the same color aura on the same person. Right. Even though that's like. Well, I don't think, I think that's separate from imagination then, if that's the case. Well, I think, I guess that to, to even clarify further, I actually consider the imagination to basically be a sense or uh, a sensory perception as much as it is a creative expression. It's two-sided. So like what you imagine, even if it's not physically real, because you're experiencing it through the mind even or even possibly visualizing it in your mind's eye, that gives it a certain level of realness and that someone else can tap into the 
vibration of that and see what you see. Right. And that's why even artists are able to paint a picture and they have this meaning in it that they're putting into the painting. And then someone sees it later and goes and feels that even if it just hits them on a feeling level, not a full on information and analysis language level. Um, right. But that's maybe a weird tangent to what we're even supposed to be talking about, which is Envision Festival. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this is how we just talk to each other when we're hanging out, isn't it, Haley? Like, this is pretty much normal conversation for This us. is normal conversation. I almost feel like we should take this podcast and organize the thoughts more strictly and outline it. No, and then, that's like, why podcasts are good. It's good for podcasts are good to just be a conversation, you know? Huh? So people like God, just a conversation. They See, like. I would them. like a, a cohesive story where it was all like planned out. I'd be like, oh, this is a great story. Well, like a recap video. Like a recap video, but audio. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's just not my style as a podcaster. Whatever. <laughs> Maybe we'll do that for a future adventure. I'm sure we will, especially when we have video to put with it. Uh-huh. I'll be your audio guy. And also I'll be your backup B-roll camera guy. <laughs> basically all i do all i'm good for is b-roll i'm not good for like actually filming something see i i made attempts at division to pick up your camera and i help. now have two audio classes under my belt i have zero but you work with it more than i do on a regular basis guys you can figure shit out on your own you don't need classes but if you have classes, study hard because you are lucky to be in that class. It definitely can put you to, you can use it to your advantage because you know a lot of technical stuff because they present it to you in an organized manner, I think. Especially at a technical college. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're like a walking advertisement for why OTC is a really great move. Or Ozark Technical College, I guess, if you're local. Uh, really good to go to a technical college over a university and depending on what skill or what trade you want to learn. And honestly, Universities are so compromised right now. Like, even though there are people that work there with good intentions that are intelligent, that might even be great teachers, like the whole system is not so great. So like, if you can get free school the way that you got with the A plus program that's in uh -huh. our state, man, and you could go to just go to OTC, like go to a community college, learn a technical skill over learning some like women's gender studies or something <laughs> and i'm not like uh, i'm not sexist for saying that i, I hope you realize it's just no, like you are. those classes are divisive i mean i wouldn't go take a man studies class You're sexist. <laughs> sexist well no i'm with you on that i don't really uh, i'm cool, I'm cool with not like dividing and creating separation we don't need group identity um other than a shared identity of unity consciousness so um i think did we talk about what we did on sunday well we kind of we basically went over everything other than like staying up all night watching opio and panty raid and uh Man, that was crazy then riding the shuttle yeah we danced so hard Flow, oh not opio sorry i misspoke it wasn't ought. opio it was ought yeah we saw ought and ought was we just missed opio on it. but the, it was just Flow artsing. I was doing poi, and we were getting film for our wedding video. Oh, it was our honeymoon video, technically. Yeah. Did we even say that? That was this was our honeymoon. This That's was our why. honeymoon. That's why we even went, other than because we want. Well, see, we had this plan. We got married so that our parents would go to music festivals, and so that we would get sent to Envision. Yep. Yeah. And now we're going to get divorced in just like a week or two since we got all that done. Yeah, but little does he know I get half of his shit, including the kitty Gandalf. Oh. No, you cannot have my kitty. No, I get Gandalf. 
he can have the other one took took's a dud a dud (laughs) they told me gandalf was a dud when i got him well they were wrong gandalf is a perfect prince and i will have him now that we're getting divorced well, okay, so, so I I guess we're getting a little long in this episode, so we should, we should uh, talk about our journey home. Yeah. So if you recall the story about me getting in trouble twice with security, first time us getting in trouble with the e-pen, and then the second time me getting in trouble with um, my... School. Craneo cocodrile. <laughs> there was a slight delay to our flight from Costa Rica to Miami. So by the time we got to Miami, we didn't have that long to catch our connecting flight on to Kansas City. So we ran into a group of girls who had also come from Envision and their flight was leaving in like five minutes. They were now, so fucked. This place was tense. People were yelling at each other. People were all stressed out. I guess... It was such a... Di- I a huge contrasting dichotomy to Costa Rica. Stress, no stress. Culture shock. Yeah, culture, culture shock. shock. So these people are yelling at each other, and these girls are like, oh, we only have five minutes to catch our flight. Can we cut in front of you? And we're like, of course. And this, we tell this guy by us that we only have, you know, 30 minutes to get on our flight. And he's like, you got to cut in line. It's what you got to do. You're not going to make it. So as these girls cut in line... We decide we're going to go with them. And my mom was like sending us texts warning us, you got to hurry, you got to hurry. She was like fucking psychically premonitioned about the fact that we were going to have trouble. In, in 30 minutes, if you saw how many people were in front of us, you would know it was not going to work. Huge line, It was yeah. not going to work. So uh, these girls cut under the line and Chance is like, we got to follow them. So I do. And Yeah, we were just cutting under the ropes. <laughs> right as people uh, were glaring at us. They all cut under and they're standing in line. Um, in front of this nice woman who is kind enough to let them. (laughs) I follow suit, and all of a sudden I hear, Stop her! Someone stop her! She's trying to get past the dog! And I look, and yet again, an agent. But this one is more of the (laughs) American-style TSA... agent. (laughs) TSA um, archetype we talked about earlier. Uh, So she... Uh, stumbles she's towards kind of a me. Hillary Clinton archetype. <laughs> so she kind of hobbles towards me and she's like, <laughs> you stop need to her. stop. Someone, don't let her go through. She's trying to get away from the dog. And I look a couple people behind Complete her. Complete racial profiling. You're, and you're brown with dreadlocks. That she was like, definitely got drugs right there. Like three people behind her. And so I said, I didn't even know there was a dog. She approached me further and said, uh, got in my face and was like, well, she wasn't in my face too close, but she got she looked me right in the eyes and got close to me and she said, um, you can't just you can't just escape the drug dog. You can't just <laughs> move forward in line and I don't Don't escape the drug was dog. telling me all these Run things I can't just pass. And as she says this the dog saunters past me casually, not even sniffing my bag at all. Yeah, it didn't care about us one bit. So that was the third time I got in trouble. But we had contraband. We did have fucking we an had orange. An orange that was illegal to bring across the border. Yeah. That was it. I wonder what would have happened if we got caught with that. Um, I would say I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you that's didn't even realize option. it was still in there, right? Nope. Well, I kind of had an inkling, but I didn't check for it. I didn't want to dig it out. <laughs> You're so bad. <laughs> I was like, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'll oh, just go to jail. Like, you want to be in jail in Costa Rica for smoking weed and 
smuggling oranges and crocodile skulls, then be my guest. But don't bring that shit on the next trip to Envision that we go on. All right, deal. I'm just kidding. Uh, well, we're like right at two hours. That's kind of what I was hoping for. Um, I know we couldn't have really talked about everything that we did in chronological order, but I feel like we did make a pretty good stab at it there. Yeah. We made a good stab at it. We we didn't talk about like the uh, film workshop, but that's kind of a story within itself. And uh, I don't really want to even talk about that. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't like the worst, but I just like there's a certain type of energy that I'm not um, a certain a certain type of manipulation that I'm not interested in with that when it comes to activism. I'm not interested in polarized viewpoints. Or stretching information to get someone to a. certain conclusion in their own minds. And so we won't say who we're talking about just out of respect for a fellow human being that's also on a path in learning. But like, yeah, that's why I didn't go there on that workshop in the first place. Yeah, that's true. And we didn't talk about the John Perkins workshops that much, but I actually have a recording of one of those that I'm going to share for Patreon people. And yeah, check the episode description on this one because there's going to be a, a ton of stuff and links in there to all various people we met. Probably a little bit of information I didn't even go over in the talk here that I remember as I'm linking stuff. I'll just link more stuff and more stuff. So um, it's going to be like the beefiest episode notes ever. It's like a journal of our experience in a way and links to how you can experience some of it, at least like musically. Um, fucking awesome, man. We did it. I'm so happy. We actually like I always say I'm going to like journal something or whatever, and I never get it down, but I like doing this better than writing it down, personally. Yeah, this is cool. We'll have audio files of our... Adventures of Chance and Haley. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't see why we can't release them to the world to listen to. (laughs) If they want, you can listen to it. It's Mm -hmm. a... This is fun. I've been wanting to podcast with you forever because you're my best friend and favorite person on Earth, and this was a really great way to do it for the first time, and I thank you for coming on podcast thank you for giving me three dollars a month on patreon oh yeah so (laughs) thank you for being okay when i fart i am definitely a three dollar patron his wife (laughs) three dollar patron and it's mostly because he does fart and i would pay him more if he didn't Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i thought you were gonna say something about art because that's what you get it for three dollars but you talked about farts instead well you do get a lot of cool art if you decide to be a patron for only a dollar a month, no, but you, you don't get art one. for one. You have to pay three for art. Oh, poop. Well, just kidding. $3 a month for art. It's but great. I, p- I posted 37 pictures today. Ooh. That's neither here nor there. Actually, it's there. That's worth it's more than $3. It's here now, but there then. Okay. <laughs> We're done here. Thanks for listening. Bye. We love you guys.
that's it for this one, folks. If you've made it this far to the recording, you seem to be of stout constitution and should be able to survive going to the episode links and donating a few dollars to Patreon to support the show. Or just share it. Or just check out something that I linked here, like Chris's podcast, Dream Nexus, or Dreamer's Delight. Lots to do with dreams. Okay, well, I hope you all are living your dreams or moving towards them, or some combination of the two. Love you. See you next week.